Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Friends, Roto-World's Josh Norris here. Welcome back to the most important podcast in the universe. That is the Roto-World Football Podcast. I've been way too busy. I haven't talked to you all in a very long time, but today is very, very special. We'll skip everything at the beginning and get right to it. Um, I had this idea just from watching and listening to top 10 lists on movies or video games in the year that why doesn't anyone do that with the draft class? Why doesn't anyone with a group come up with their top 10 prospects, debate them, have conversations, evaluate them, and then at the end, come down with the top 10 list. But that's what we're going to do today. And I asked and requested some of my friends, the most respected people who I think that they are among the, the, the best evaluators out there. And so we'll start off at the top of the list. You know, they're all the same to me, but we'll start off with Dane Brugler. Dane, I've known Dane for four or five years now, maybe even more than that. Dane works over at NFL Draft Scout. Uh, he's at DP Brugler on Twitter. And Dane, how can everyone get your draft guide that you put out every single year? Yeah, we're just going alphabetical order, right? Because yeah, Brugler <laughs> and B and all that. Uh, best way uh, on Twitter, uh, at DP Brugler. I've got it pinned at the top of my timeline. Um, you know, basically... If you're interested in the NFL draft, I promise you will not be disappointed uh, by the level of detail. And it's something I work on year round. So I'm um, very proud. And there's 450 reports in there. Um, you know, everything you could possibly want, not only for the top guys, but, you know, when your team drafts nobody in the seventh round, hopefully it got you covered in there. So if you like the NFL draft, I promise you will not be disappointed by that. So just uh, at DP Brugler, uh, the link, it's an automatic PDF download that's uh, pinned at the top. And people print it out, right? They just ruin three trees and just print the it's, whole thing out, right? Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people <laughs> just use it on their iPads or whatever. But there a lot of people send me pictures of getting it, you know, go to Staples, get it bound and all that. So it's, it's really cool to see. Uh, as Dane mentioned, we're going in alphabetical order. So next up is Fran Duffy. Uh, Fran works, basically does everything for the Eagles media department. You've seen his videos on Twitter. You've seen them on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. He does the Journey to the Draft podcast. I believe that's what it's called. I've, I've been on it like yep. five times, so I should know what it is. Uh, Fran, what's up, buddy? How are you? Josh, what's going on, man? I'm really excited about this. This is going to be uh, a lot of fun. And he's 
at F Duffy on Twitter. So be sure to go and follow him. He doesn't put out a draft guide, but there's plenty of other content he puts out there. Uh, continuing with alphabetical order, so I'm not in trouble. It is Ben Fennell. Is it Fennell Ben or is it Fennel? Like, is it it's like just, the vegetable? It's just Fennel, exactly like the, uh, the veggie, the root. Got it. Like the licorice, twiggy, exactly. onion thing. Okay. Well, Ben, as I'm sure all of you out there on Twitter, follow him at Ben Fennel underscore NFL. One of the best, in my opinion, at finding clips from all 22 from coaches copy and putting it into uh, terms and words and vocabulary that everyone out there can really latch onto and understand. Uh, ben, this is great. We've never spoken, so I'm really excited that we get to do this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to powwow and some great minds here. Obviously, we've all interacted in different capacities, but just to uh, you know have this little think tank and what better time to do it than nine days before the draft. There we go. And finally, Ted Nguyen. Ted is part of The Athletic. I, I just discovered Ted on Twitter like a couple years ago. I think he was mainly doing Raiders analysis, but man... Everything I see that Ted does is fantastic stuff. Um, he's at FB underscore film analysis on Twitter. And like I said, he's a staff writer for, for The Athletic. Ted, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on and allowing me to be an imposter amongst uh, this great <laughs> group of guys we have here. That's basically all that we are, right? During the <laughs> season, we all are trying to emulate uh, the draft process as much as possible. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, this is going to be a very long podcast. Hopefully you're entertained by that. Uh, As I mentioned from the beginning, the goal here is to come up with a top 10 list of our group's consensus top 10. Now, we're not evaluating for a team where we don't have a scheme in mind. We don't have a roster in mind, right? So this is basically just talent evaluation and just how we see it stacked. Um, What I've asked these guys to do over the last few days is insert names that they believe belong in the top 10. So we have a group of 17 names to start off, then we'll whittle that down to 10 and then rank that from 10 to one. Um, As I told them, you know, I'm, I'm not in charge. Fran's not in charge. Dane's not in charge. Whoever else isn't in charge, right? That that we all have an even um, level of power here, conversation. And if we need a moderator to go through the conversation, that's what's going to happen. But I'm excited for this. So I guess Guys, the best way to get this started is to go through the top 17 list. I know I'm talking a lot here, but then we'll really dig into it after that. So just to go through that list, if you want to write this down at home, it's Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, Josh Rosen, Derwin James, the safety out of FSU, Roquan Smith, the linebacker out of Georgia, Bradley Chubb, the edge rusher out of NC State, Maurice Hurst, the defensive lineman interior out of Michigan, Isaiah Wynn, the offensive lineman out of Georgia. Harold Landry, edge rusher out of Boston College. Darius Geis, running back out of LSU. Sam Darnold, quarterback out of USC. Minka Fitzpatrick, defensive back out of Alabama. Baker Mayfield, quarterback out of Oklahoma. Deron Payne, defensive lineman out of Alabama. Mike McGlinchey, tackle out of Notre Dame. Denzel Ward, corner out of Ohio State. And Josh Jackson, out of Iowa, a cornerback. I think I got all those right. Hopefully I did. I better. The best way to start, I think, is to already move some of these 17 names into who we all are comfortable and there's really no conversation necessary that we know that they're going to be in the top 10. So does anyone out there want to necessarily move uh, Saquon Barkley into the top 10, perhaps? Do we have any disagreements there? 
I don't think so. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So you, you'll hear me using my keyboard a little bit here. Copy and paste over. Um, same thing with Quentin Nelson. Does that work with everyone? Yeah, I think he belongs. Okay. Definitely. Okay. Yep. Uh, Works for me. Can, do we end there? Or do we keep going with Bradley Chubb? Yeah, Chubb's safe to put in the top 10. Chubb's, yeah, Chubb's in there. Yep. Agree. Ted, you good with Chubb? Agree. Okay. Now I, I think it gets interesting here. Are there any names that anyone wants to nominate out there that they believe automatically qualifies for the top 10? Yeah, uh, Sam Darnold is going in the top 10. Is Sam Darnold going in the top 10? Yes, he is. That, that has my vote. Um, I, I think, you know, when we talk about these quarterbacks, it's almost like we have to do the quarterbacks first. I don't know. Yeah. It's tough because, you know, it's tough to do quarterbacks in any type of list, obviously, with the position value. Um, I don't know. Do you want to do talk about the quarterbacks first? Well, let's specifically there? talk about Sam Darnold, and then we can get to Josh Rosen, then we can get to Baker Mayfield. I think that's a great way okay. of doing it. Um, Dane, why do you think Sam Darnold belongs there? Uh, I think just at a young age, everything I've seen, uh, if I had a bet on one of these quarterbacks being, uh, you know, the guy long term, uh, helping me, you know, try to win in the division, work for, you know, postseason play, I'm I'm betting on Sam Darnold. Uh, he's only 20 years old. Uh, I think a lot of what you've what we've seen uh, the last two years, uh, I'm, I'm happy with who he is now, the player, but I'm also encouraged by who he's going to be in year two and year three. And so on. Um, I think from a mental standpoint, he can command that battle that quarterbacks go through on a day by day basis, snap by snap basis. Uh, I think there's something to be said about him having, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a safe prospect, especially when talking about quarterbacks. But I think there's something to be said about him uh, having, you know, maybe the least amount of bus potential among these guys. Um, But just isolating him as a prospect and not comparing him to the rest of the quarterback field. Uh, I feel good about him being the top guy this year. Um, I said if 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 he was a, he got a higher grade for me than any quarterback in last year's draft, um, and so I don't know. I, I ben, for me, he's one of the top ten players in this draft. Ben, you were very firm with Sam Darnold in the top ten. Well, and I think it's just important to differentiate. You know, us coming up with our top ten prospects via grade, and also working in the conversation just who's going to go the top ten in the draft. And obviously we know it's a quarterback need league. And when there's needs, those guys get bumped up. You know, certain positions that will tackle is another one that if you need them, those guys get bumped up. So I think just philosophically, it's just important to also weigh the need and where we project them to fall in the draft. We don't want to say Sam Darnold's our 30th ranked prospect, but yes, he's going to go number one in the draft. You know, I think it's important just to differentiate the difference between ranking prospects and then falling in line with where they're going to get picked. But so from a great perspective, do you think he, he belongs in the top 10 prospects in this class? Or do you think that's kind of impossible to say just based on, on the needs of the league and how it's going to wind up next Thursday? No, I think he is a top 10 prospect. Uh, Currently on my board, he's the sixth overall prospect. That's the first quarterback on my board. Um, But I would, find it very hard to see him not going in the first, second, or third picks in the draft. Ted, what about you? I know you've watched um, Sam Darnold. Do you think that he's an easy placement in the top 10 somewhere in this list? Yeah, I think he's uh, in the top 10 for sure. I think it sounds like uh, most people here have him as their top quarterback. I have him second to Rosen. Yep, me too. And um, I just think that, you know, obviously what makes him special is that ability just to um, that short time between seeing what he wants and gunning it in. But that also leads to turnovers 
And I don't know if you could train that out of him or take that out of him. I think being, you know, a turnover high quarterback is going to be part of his DNA for for a while. So that kind of concerns me. But that being said, I understand um, why people see are so infatuated by his potential. Uh, so he is my number two. So, but he definitely belongs in the top ten. All right, I moved in the top ten, Fran. You know, we're kind of excluded from that since that's three, and then we're just two. I know you probably want him up there as well, but instead of going into more of Sam Darnold, because we'll get into more of that conversation later on, Fran, why don't you throw out another name that you think belongs in the top ten? Well, I think another name that that belongs in the top ten is going to be Darius Geis, and when Ooh. when you really pack on. Uh, the rest of the players in this class, I think you look at his film, not just from this year, but also from 2016, where he was fully healthy, uh, obviously didn't play the entire season as the full-time back because they had Leonard Fournette, but you see that competitiveness as a runner. And the the comparisons to Marshawn Lynch, I think, are real. They are valid. Uh, He believes that he is comparable to Marshawn Lynch, and I, I think that that's a very valid comparison. I think when you see his vision downhill, his competitiveness, his anger as a runner. I think that he's got the ability to create his own yards as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of Darius Geis. I think he belongs in the top 10 in terms of overall players in this draft. Not necessarily that he'll get picked that high, but in in terms of overall value, I think he's one of the top 10 players overall in the class. Do we have any disagreements? My my biggest worry with uh, Geis, and I I agree with everything Fran said, uh, is... Uh, just durability because he does run so angry that a lot of times he will bypass an open lane to uh, almost purposely run over a defender, you know, try to it's that, that anger, that, that violence, that competitive nature is what I love about Darius guys, but it's also what I worry about, you know, and uh, up against NFL defenders, it's a little different. So that is, that is one of my main reservations with Darius guys. I think uh, if you told me that he was going to average, 14 starts a game over his rookie contract, then I think I would agree. I would put him in the top 10, but that would be my only concern about is just being able to stay durable and stay healthy. Ben, I know you obviously watch a ton of NFL games every season uh, when you're talking with the NFL network and with the Eagles. Um, What if someone, it's not like Darius Geis is, is a bad receiver. We just don't know necessarily his role in the receiving game right now because it just wasn't a part of his package like at LSU, just like Leonard Fournette's wasn't. Um, does that give you pause to automatically put him in the top 10 here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it's an unknown and it's not something he consistently put on tape, you're speculating and wondering, and it's those types of instances that you put a little bit more value uh, on guys at the combine and their pro day just to get them see, see them doing things maybe you didn't get to see on film or that their offense asked them to do. Uh, he wasn't really involved at, in the past game at LSU, especially the last two seasons. Uh, he did have an intriguing deep post his freshman year that kind of showed you that glimpse of some receiver skills and the ability to track the ball and just have some natural hands. Uh, but, yeah, def- definitely gives you pause. I think we've all seen his pass protection, his willingness to be physical and, and hit looping defensive ends and linebackers on blitzes. But, you know, it's a, uh, in order to be drafted in the front end of the first round, you need to be a dynamic three-down running back. And until he really, you know, showed that he can be a, a threat in the pass game, it's going to be a question mark. Personally, I have Darius Geis in the top 10, but it's tough for me to automatically put him in there right now because I have him at 10 overall, and we already have Sam Darnold in the top 10, and I don't consider him there. So, like, there are others' names in this list that at some point I know I want to debate. Um, God, this is a tough one. 
Uh, Ted, any thoughts? From I don't know how much positional value should go into this top ten list. As much yep. as you want to uh, talk about, I think it's yeah. very valid. But yeah, for me, I just don't value running backs as highly as some of the other positions that we have here. So, um, and you know, obviously, Saquon Barkley belongs in this conversation, but I think part of that is because he's such a good receiver and he's shown yeah. that on film. And like we just talked about, um, guys could be a really good receiver, but we just haven't seen it. Okay. And if you know, if we're just talking about. A, ru- a really good running back than guys is that, but I don't think, I don't know if he belongs in the top 10. Okay. What I'm uh, going to do, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move him up this bottom 10 list we have right now. Okay. So he's kind of like in this no man's land at this moment, because I agree that he's an awesome talent, but I kind of want to see the rest of the top 10 shape out a little bit more before I'm completely sold putting him in the top 10. Is that fine with everyone? That's um, fair. Okay. Yeah. That's um, good. I said we're going to talk about quarterbacks, but I can't right now because I feel like we have to put in Harold Landry. Like, Mm. we have to put in Harold Landry. We just talked about the importance of a quarterback. The importance of pass rushing, to me, is, like, it's it's protecting the quarterback and it's getting after the quarterback with four, right? And what Harold Landry offers, he's the best pass rusher in this class. How he can win in the first three steps, turn the corner, flexible, bend, and then get after the quarterback and cause instant disruption, I think it's unmatched in this group. And I know that his season in 2017 was a down year. Absolutely. And I understand that he's not the best run defender in this class, right? And sure, that, that is even selling him a bit positive there. But again, creating disruption, even in a possible situational role early on, like a Derek Barnett with the Eagles, he can make impact plays in every single performance out there. And to me, he belongs in the top 10. Hmm. So my, my only concern with Landry in terms of putting him there automatically would just be that, yeah, he can win at the top of the rush in terms of his high side moves. You know, he wins, uh, he's got that chop move. We know that he's got the ability to win on the outside. He's got outstanding flexibility that, you know, that Ben turning the corner uh, is outstanding. But my question with him will be, What's what's the next answer when they've got uh, when they've got that blocked up uh, at the next level? He's not a guy that uh, consistently went speed to power. There were flashes of it uh, as a junior in 2016, but not enough to uh, to make me feel like oh yeah, that's definitely going to translate to the NFL. I'd like to see more of those inside counter moves from him. Uh, you mentioned the run defense as well. Obviously, he was banged up this year. He is a little bit undersized, yeah. um, so that w- that would be the the little bit. Uh, in terms of what I would waver a little bit with him. Uh, I have him just outside my top 10. Okay. Still really, really like the talent, but that would be my one concern would be uh, just his ability to win in other ways outside of just winning off the outside. Dane, you seemed a little hesitant too. It, well, I, I agree with a lot of what Fran said. He's 13 on my board, um, and I agree with a, a lot of what you said, Josh. I mean, he's his ability to corner, you know, the dip, the flexibility, it's all, it's all there. And it's unmatched um, it, in this it, class. Like, if we're talking about this group, to me, no yeah. one else does it like him this year. Yeah, yeah. And if you tell me that he's going to have a Vic Beasley NFL career, or, you know, up to this point, then I think, yeah, he's probably a top 10 player in this draft. Um, but I do – the hiccups as a run defender bother me. Um, you know, obviously, this – he started eight games this year. Uh, it was, uh, you know, not what you expected compared to his junior season. Um, I just – I do have a little bit of hesitancy because teams will be able to run at him, and I think there'll be some issues. To me, I kind of want to give him the Darius Geist treatment okay. that we just did. All we right, kinda, all right, all right. We, we we all we're all in agreement, but can I can I nominate the next guy? Sure. I think this this guy needs to be in there. 
Okay. And it's Roquan Smith. Definitely. I, I, to I me, agree. there's no question he's a top 10 player in this draft. Ted, what about you? So for Roquan, I think I'll probably be the only one that thinks this, but I don't, I don't Uh-oh. see him necessarily in the top 10 just because wow. I think he's an amazing linebacker. He has great, you know, amazing instincts, like some of the best range we've seen from a uh, pros- linebacker prospect in a long time. But I just see him getting when he when a blocker gets his hands on him. I just see him, he just has a really hard time getting off. He gets pushed back. And some of the ways he gets off blocks, I don't know if that's going to work in the NFL. Like he'll chuke a blocker. I don't know if that's going to work in the league. Um, I know, and I know people talked about you know Patrick Willis. You know, people said Patrick Willis had trouble getting off blocks, but you just don't see Roquan making super physical plays. Like he's not blasting blockers or blasting uh, blasting ball carriers as much as some of the top linebacker prospects we've seen. So that worries me a little bit. But I, I still have him my top. 13. I just, I don't have my top 10. Ben, I mean, you've seen a lot of these linebackers transition from college to the NFL. Is that a valid concern for you with Roquan? Yeah, it's certainly valid, but I think Roquan's pretty special and that, you know, he was dubbed the pit bull, that Georgia defense for being that small, you know, ferocious type of player. And I don't know, I've seen him, you know, lay the wood on more than enough running backs and tight ends and guys in the flat and coming downhill and uh, you know, him along with Derwin James are the only ones that I labeled as defensive changing, that I think they change the entire uh, makeup and culture of an entire defensive unit with the way they can affect both the run and the pass. All three levels of the defense benefit from having a player like that. They're versatile. They have range. And just that physical attitude and presence is so contagious. It just, I think it affects an entire unit. And there's only so many of those guys out there. I think he's a special one in this draft class. Let's talk about Derwin James then. I already moved Roquan, by the way, up there. So now we have five names that are locked in the top 10. And, Ted, you're going to have your, your time to talk about Roquan, definitely, when we rank this top 10. But Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, Sam Darnold, and Roquan Smith. That's the five so far. Um, I agree with you, Ben, that Derwin James belongs in that top 10 as well um, for a lot of the same reasons you just mentioned with Roquan, that you c- in the first four plays of the game, you can see him line up as a split safety. You can see him line up as a slot corner, then a linebacker, then an outside corner. And along with his tremendous athletic profile, and again, he's someone kind of like Harold Landry that his, he had a down 2017 season, right? He, he was coming back from a pretty significant injury, and FSU just absolutely sucked. So that all plays a part in it, right? But in terms of a building block piece, especially in the secondary that's movable depending on personnel packages and matchups and everything like that, I absolutely want to put Derwin James in the top 10. But if anyone out there disagrees, now is your time to speak. I'm with you. Uh, With Derwin, like this guy was labeled a a football prodigy at such a young age. And I think he's he's lived up to it. I mean, there's something – you worry about the injury that he had as a sophomore yep. or 2016, and yep. he definitely showed some rust coming back this year. But even with that rust, he was moving at a different speed than I think a lot of uh, uh, players on the field. And to your, what you were saying, Josh, about the versatility, um, I, he did everything on the football field except put his hand on the ground. I mean, he played <laughs> every linebacker position. He he played outside corner. First so the passer? I, he, yeah, he's an excellent uh, blitzer. I think sometimes college safeties that don't have that defined role can be tough to evaluate. And I, I think there are you know some reasons why Derwin falls in that category. But I, to me, he's – I mean, I'm, I'm in agreement. He's a top 10 player in this draft. He's that I, I, that big nickel defender that you want on your defense. Friend, I'm, I'm not typically one who thinks the next is always better than the last. 
but what if I told you that I think Derwin James is better than Jamal Adams as a prospect? I I can buy into that. And, and the the one the one concern I have with Derwin James outside of uh, the knee, which which Dane mentioned, is that it, depending on how you view him and how you see him and how you're going to use him. You know, there were times where when he was the single high player, when he was the post safety, where he looked a little bit slow to trigger or he he didn't take quite the best angle to the football. And to me, I think it's more just from a lack of reps. Right. That's kind of the double edged sword to being used in so many different ways is that you don't have extensive reps at any one spot. And so there were times I can think back to the the long touchdown. NC State. Exactly right. Where he was a little bit slow, uh, didn't make take the right angle of the ball, let the, the, uh, the receiver cross his face and it ended up being a long touchdown. That's my one concern. But if you don't, if he's not going to be a single high player, you know, 40 snaps a game in your defense anyway, that's not something that's going to be a huge concern for me. Uh, I agree with all you guys. I think he's a top 10 player. He's a top 10 player for me, for sure. Ted, uh, time for you to nominate someone that you think belongs. Okay. Uh, I think maybe only me, I'll nominate this guy and maybe nobody will agree, but Mo Hurst, I think, is a really, really good player. Uh, I know he's undersized, but when you watch his film, he's just constantly disrupting plays. He's always in a backfield, and uh, yeah, I think I think he belongs in the top ten. He's in my top ten as well. Like we've seen more and more lately that interior disruption is king, right? We see it with how guards and centers are now paid. We see it with how interior defensive linemen are now paid, and play in, play out, series in, series out. No one offers more consistent interior disruption than Maurice Hurst. Now, it's not like he's had a clean draft process, right? He didn't go to the Senior Bowl. He didn't get to participate in the NFL Combine. That has since been cleared up, it appears. Um, and he's also, you know, not your prototypical 300-plus pound uh, defensive tackle. But again, if we are focusing on what he brings, where he wins, I'm in agreement with Ted that I, he belongs in this top 10 based on creating that instant disruption from the interior. Speak up. <laughs> So my here's my here's my uh, my concern with Maurice Hurst, it, who I love, and I if you want a one gap penetrator up front, to me Maurice Hurst is your guy in this draft. I do have a couple concerns. Number one, I worry about him holding up against the run. I think he's better at the point of attack than a lot of people give him credit for at his size. I think that he competes at a high level. I think he uses his hands fairly well. He knows how to attack a block and play off a block. But when it comes to taking on a double team, he does not hold up well at the point of attack at all. And then also, number one, the other big thing for me, his production was good. His production should have been twice as good because I thought hmm. that he left a lot of plays on the field uh, with some missed tackles where he let guys go out of his grasp. This is going back over the last three years because I've been watching him since his sophomore season. Uh, and every year I feel like, man, like he could have had like six, seven more sacks or six, you know, the ten more TFLs uh, if he was just able to finish in the backfield. So. Um, you know, the lack of size is a question, his ability to hold up against a double team, and then also just being able to finish. He's my number 13 player. I really, really like Maurice Hurst. Yeah. I just wonder if he's going to be able uh, to be, able, you know, to reach that ceiling. To me, like, I look at Dayron Payne, and I think he's a little bit more of a complete player than Maurice Hurst is. I know. Really? It's part- so you, I, yeah, I was I, wondering who the one that nominated Payne was, and it's you. Yeah, I'm sheepishly holding my hand up on that. I love, <laughs> I love Dayron. I'm right there with you, Fran. Everything wow. I think about Deron Payne and just his uh, three-down versatility and just how he's a more stout run defender. He plays with better leverage and with his hands. He may not be as twitchy to squeeze into a gap and shoot upfield, but I think we saw that ability and he can do it. 
and he's so powerful and flexible and plays with excellent technique and hand usage. I think he's going to be an absolute dream for a defensive line coach and someone that you can plug up and down the line, whether you want to play him at no shade or at three tech. He could, you know, two gap for you on early downs or squeeze into a gap uh, in a sub package. So I think Deron Payne just gives you a little bit more than a Maurice Hurst. My Maurice Hurst comp was Sharif Floyd. And Sharif Floyd was a guy that could squeeze into a gap from Florida. But the second he got to the Vikings, he just got crushed in early downs in a you know, handle it up against the run. So I have that same buyer beware and Maurice Hurst. So Dame, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to um, combine kind of Hurst and Payne and put them next to each other, right? Because I, I have a feeling this top 10 list, sorry, Ted, I mean, I'm right there with you, that like <laughs> Hurst should belong, but I, I feel like it's going to come down to maybe Payne or Hurst. And right now we can't really make up our minds with that and especially not locked in. So I think that conversation will kind of continue on for a little bit. Um, is now the time, I guess we should talk about Josh Rosen and Baker Mayfield. Um, to me, like Rosen is the clear choice here to belong in the top 10. Um, from a play-in, play-out standpoint, the repetition, the easy drop back, the release, everything is there that you want. It's the what you see is what you get mentality. Um, I am no doctor, so I can't comment necessarily on his shoulder and his concussions. I also don't know Josh Rosen. But from someone who sees the field that has done it for a very long time, He's the easiest evaluation, I think, from in this quarterback class. Um, but I know that obviously some people will disagree with that. Well, I think first off, it's just it's hard to trust people named Josh. Um, <laughs> that's, that's just first and foremost. Uh, no, well, I, I'm with you. I mean, I think Josh Rosen's a top ten player in this draft. Uh, there's a lot of there's it's, it's a tough discussion. I mean, it's just not a it's not as simple as some of these other players. Uh, I, besides the durability, besides the off field character personality stuff i worry about the mobility uh and just being able to navigate the pocket uh you know find those uh second chance throws um you know off platform and you know outside the play design i, I think that's where his decision making will break down and he'll make some poor decisions um you know pointing to the memphis tape or some of these other ones so uh i, I do think there's a lot to like about josh rosen yep. and i i think Matt Ryan is a fair comp for him. Yeah. Yep. And if you're getting a Matt Ryan, then he belongs in the top 10 um, of this draft. So I think it is a more difficult decision than, okay. you know, what we're going to have. But uh, I, 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 he gets my vote for a top spot in the top 10. Ted, you said he's your number one quarterback, right? But I mean, you know, when you're grading quarterbacks, obviously the system that he's going to play in comes to mind. Yeah, and I would say so. <laughs> I think, you know, Josh Rosen fits um, – most of what the NFL offenses want to do, they want you know a, quarter, a pocket quarterback that's able to read defenses, anticipate, throw with anticipation, throw before windows are open. And Rosen does all those things. His his technique is picture perfect. Um, I think his mobility is a little better than you know people give him credit for. He's not quite a statue quarterback. He's not stuck in the pocket. He can move a little bit, you know, but that's definitely not his strength. Um, but yeah, he he does. I, I think. If you're running a West Coast offense like you know Shanahan or McVay, uh, Rosen's got to be your top quarterback. Uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely would say that Josh Rosen is my number two quarterback. Uh, the problem is, is when I look at the rest of this list, we've got four slots left, and I there's uh, there are other guys on this list that if I had to say, you know what, he's going to be a perennial Pro Bowl player. I feel a little bit safer with some of these other guys as opposed to Rosen because I, I like Dane said, I'm going to take into account uh, not just the the lack of mobility and his ability to create for himself, but then also 
uh, the, the medical as well. And the medical to me is, is scarier than, uh, you know, some of the, the reported personality stuff. I, I'm with you that you can't really go off of that because, you know, we're relying on secondhand sources of secondhand sources. But, um, to me, I, I'm looking at other guys like a Payne, a Maurice Hurst, uh, a Minka Fitzpatrick. There are other wow. guys on this list that, that I feel a little bit better at, uh, in terms of saying, you know what, this guy's going to be a perennial pro bowl player. And that's what you want in a top 10 pick. But like, if we're talking about quality starter, which I, I, I know that there are not love, varying degrees of that necessarily, but yeah. we're kind of this conversation is going. Like, if we agree that Josh Rosen at least is somewhat of an easy evaluation from what he does well versus what he doesn't, like that type of talent that he can be is better than like a Minka Fitzpatrick on an NFL team, right? It's better than a Deron Payne on an NFL team, and. It, it, this, I, I think what it comes back to me with this is the ease that we put Sam Darnold up in the top 10. I think that should be the ease that Josh Rosen goes in the top 10. I just feel like once you get into the conversation of safe picks and who's a safer pick to go with, I think that just gets a little bit blurred because I think we know the, you know, obviously the whole process is unpredictable, but the quarterback position especially is so unpredictable Yes, it's easier to say Deron Payne is probably a safer pick and a safer prospect, 100%. But then where do you put these quarterbacks in the pecking order? I know there's some concerns and some hit or misses and some pros and cons to all of them. But they're, they're, they're the best quarterbacks in this draft. They're obviously top 10 or tip 15 talent. So where do you put that in the pecking order that they may not be as safe as a pick as a Roquan, Bradley Chubb, Maurice Hurst, Deron Payne? Yeah. But they're obviously going to be drafted very high. So I, you know, I, I live in Philadelphia. We've got we've got Carson Wentz. So maybe I don't feel the urgency that uh, that everybody else feels. I, I really, to me, like I look at, at Josh Rosen and I say, yeah, like physically, like I think everything's there for him to be a, a, a quality starting quarterback. Just that you know, Dane made the comparison to Matt Ryan, and I think that you know, yeah, he can be that level of player. And if the, and if all things. You, you you just make it just about the film and you take everything else out. I think he's on this list. So okay. if we're just going off of that, I think that he's in there. Um, but if that's the case, like if we're going to go and say like, all right, well, look, if, if we feel like a quarterback has the ability, has the ceiling to be a quality starter, like Josh Allen didn't make our 17. Right. right? And I was, like, so was going to mention the names that didn't mention, but Josh Allen is one of them. Yeah. I mean, that's to me, like if we're if we're going to then say, all right, well, if we feel like he plays quarterback and he could be that starter, look, Josh Allen has a long way to go when compared to Sam Darnold and Josh Allen from an on field respect. Um, But if he can reach that ceiling, like, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. But like, it's also the comfort level in us believing they can get to that point. Right. Like, I don't think Josh Allen can get to what people are thinking can get to, you know, and maybe I miss on that. But I, I just can't envision that happen. Like, I can see him as a successful quarterback if all these pieces align. But I just don't know the path to getting there based on what he did in college. With, And I, I don't think that necessarily applies here with Josh Rosen, right? Like, I think what he did in college when doing that well easily translates to the NFL. So what's the, what's the all-encompassing statement for somebody? Let's just say you have Josh Allen as your 30th-ranked prospect, and he goes – fourth overall or fifth overall. That's fine. That but what is me. that saying about the landscape of the NFL scouting community and how players get picked? Are these players being overdrafted? Do they get bumped up for based off a of need? Um, well, I, I think like in Josh Allen's case, it's how he's kind of checked the boxes 
all along the way, right? Like the stuff in the past that maybe should be held against him the most seem like they're not being held against him because he's done so many positive things recently. Uh, that's a really simplified version of it. But I also think that NFL coaches have an ego with this stuff, right? Like they think that they can find a ball of clay and make it into some beautiful sculpture. And maybe Josh Allen is like the, you know, the, the greatest ball of clay ever that they think like, look, I can do this, this, and this coaching. And he's already learned this and this and this from Jordan Palmer. So it's all coming together for him. I don't know. Like I, I kind of don't even want to spend time on Josh Allen, but um, <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield. Ted, what do you think about Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I like Baker Mayfield. He is my number seven player. Uh, so you want him in there? Yeah, I, I want him in there. He does. You know, he's extremely accurate. No matter how you break accuracy down with all these new metrics or whatever, his accuracy is like off the charts. Obviously, being in uh, Lincoln Riley's offense has a lot to do with that. You know, he his offense creates a lot of wide open receivers. And but when you know, I think PFF had a metric. Uh, where they graded tight window throws, and he was one of the be- most accurate quarterbacks by far in that department as well. Uh, he's, you know, extremely. He's very mobile. He can make plays outside the pocket. Um, I, I like Baker Mayfield. I'm with you guys. Uh, I'm with you, Ted, about Baker. Um, if we put him in the top ten, can we put the uh, caveat that Lincoln Riley has to come too? <laughs> I'm in. If that's the case, then Ed, sign yeah. me up. Exactly. I mean, the, the Lincoln Riley Taylor made that offense for for Baker, and it worked really well. Uh, I I do think there will be a transition, um, you know, coming out of that offense, coming out of the Big Twelve, uh, consistently throwing outside the numbers, um, you know, not having that offensive line to to work behind. Um, you know, the Big Twelve debate is something that. I think is real. I mean, we still haven't had a, a Big Twelve quarterback come into the NFL and. Um, you know, do anything of note. I mean, we'll see with Pat Mahomes, um, what, what he can do. I mean, Sam Bradford's, you know, he's, he's still, you know, still a starting quarterback. Yeah. And paid handsomely. Um, so with, uh, with Baker, I, the big 12, that, that comes into discussion, but he's my 10th prospect for me, my, my number three quarterback behind Darnold and Rosen. So I, you know, he's a fringe guy for me. I, he's, he's right on the cusp. I, I think we can make an easy case why he should be in there with uh, the accuracy down the field um, but I, I also think there's enough question marks but, that uh, he could get bumped as well. So, but but what I'm hearing is, Dane, you said he's your third quarterback. Mm-hmm. It seems like Ted, he's your third quarterback. He's my mm-hmm. third quarterback. So, like, if we're gonna put one of these two quarterbacks in, and Mayfield and Rosen, it's Rosen. It's Rosen. Yeah. Ben, yeah, I I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. I have uh, Josh Rosen as my seventh overall player, just a hair outside of Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield's my 11th. I think Josh Rosen is definitely safely in the top 10 player in this class conversation. Obviously, there's some concern around him and, uh, you know, obviously all the stuff like Fran had mentioned a moment ago. But I think if we're weighing them personally, I think Josh Rosen is a higher rated prospect than Baker Mayfield. Okay, what I've done, I haven't put him in the top 10, but I think we kind of agree that he belongs in that guy's Harold Landry territory, right? So kind of no man's land right now. So again, we still yeah. have six names that are in the top 10 firmly. Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, Sam Darnold, Roquan Smith, and Derwin James. We have four more spots, three names in no man's land right now. <laughs> huh. This list fills up quickly, right? So, um, God. okay, Dane. Is, is there yeah. anyone on this list that's not in that Geis Landry Rosen territory? And we just talked about Payne and Hurst as well that you think belongs. 
to me, with the names remaining, I think there are two that belong, and that's Minka Fitzpatrick and Denzel Ward. Uh, two DBs. Uh, first with Denzel Ward, uh, he's he's not the biggest guy, but he forces throws to be pinpoint in coverage because he's just he's so good. And part of it's athleticism, part of it's instincts. Uh, you know, he doesn't have the the best ball skills. Uh, you know, if we're going to talk about these top corners. But I think the way he can suffocate the catch point and really uh, stay on top of receivers, uh, he makes it makes it look effortlessly. Uh, and so uh, to me, Denzel Ward belongs. And Minka, I don't know. I still I, I'm not uh, getting off the, the Minka uh, bandwagon. He's yep. he's been my number two overall player, wow. which I know is high, I, higher than most people have him. I know I'm not getting off that. I mean, I don't think that, you know, a lot of people say he's a jack of all trades, master of none. I think he's a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-all-trades. I think he can play outside corner. I think he can play nickel, play safety. Um, I don't feel constricted to what he is. I mean, I've seen him uh, I've seen him backpedal. I've seen him transition. I, I don't see any reason why he can't play outside corner. That, that's just my opinion, and I'd be willing to bet on that in the top 10. But I understand not everybody uh, feels as comfortable as I do with Minka. So before we go down that road anymore, it doesn't sound like we have – a lot of backing for a top 10 placement for Isaiah Wynn, for Mike McGlinchey, and for Josh Jackson. Ben, I know you're like a big fan of Josh Jackson. I have him slightly, slightly above Denzel Ward, but it seems like we are somewhat alone there. Yeah, I would anticipate that. Uh, I have Mega Fitzpatrick as my 12th overall prospect. I have yeah. Denzel Ward at 9, Josh Jackson at 10. Okay. Uh, that's just personally, I obviously Megan Fitzpatrick being my 12th overall is certainly in the conversation in that, you know, top 10 and worthy of debate, especially on uh, most people's boards. It's, it's tough to argue all the things Ted was saying. Yeah, Ted. Um, so, and I think Isaiah Wynn belongs like I'll make that case because I think he can play left tackle in the league, even though the league doesn't view him as a left tackle. But if we're talking about interior offensive linemen with how they're getting paid now, they are more valuable than running backs, guys. Like second contract into your offensive linemen are more valuable to your roster than running backs are now. And and I, Isaiah Wynn is a clean evaluation for me. Even playing with a torn labrum this year, he was fantastic. So I, I think he belongs in the top 10, but it's I, I might be alone. Yeah, I think he's just outside for me. And okay. I know that the labrum did have a, a part in this, but I worried a little bit about just his natural power. Uh, and not honestly, his natural strength as well. I I didn't get a chance to see him in person like you guys did. The most of you guys did at the Senior Bowl, um, but and I know he was really good down there from everything I've heard. Okay. But watching him on film, uh, the one question I do have about his ability to trans transition inside, which he did play earlier in his career, right. um, is just his ability to hold up uh, against a bull rusher. And I, I, I mean, like a. Uh, J.J. Watt, uh, you know, type of powerful inside player, and then also move people in the run game up front. That's that's my number one question with him. Still really like him. I just don't know if I can definitely put him in that top ten discussion with some and, of these other guys. And and not to negatively talk about one of my favorite prospects, but he's also never played in the right side ever, ever. So no. you're either playing him at left tackle or left guard. He told me that like, you know, it'd be like writing your hand up, or writing your name upside down, and with your opposite hand, like it's. Anyways, so I, I, I guess that means Isaiah wins out of here. Um, Mike McGlinchey, anyone? I put him on there, but I don't think I don't mind that, it, man. Like, I yeah, think he's the top do, tackle in this class. Him. He's the top tackle in this class. I think he can play left tackle. Um, I do think that he's probably better, going to be better served at right tackle. 
Um, not that I think there's a huge difference in today's game, but the fact that he can play both uh, helps me a lot. I just feel really, really good about his ability to translate as a as a good starting tackle in the NFL, which is not easy to find. So uh, to me, especially if we're going to incorporate positional value into this, I think McGlinchey definitely belongs in the discussion. But uh, in terms of some of these other guys that we're talking about, yeah, I don't it, know. Is, is he above him. guys for you? Is he above Landry? Is he above Rosen? Those types, the Pains, the Hursts? Sure. Yeah, yeah he, he's, that's, that's the question. And to me, the negatives with McGlinchey like, pop up and – it's it's when people showcase plays where he gets beat, but that happens to like all offensive linemen, unless Everybody you're Jay Thomas, right? So like, and just depending on the play call and how long the quarterback holds the football, or what everyone else on the team does, like that determines the impact of getting beat. But I, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's the clear top tackle in this class. But it sounds like we're gonna get rid of him. <laughs> okay, so I guess we'll get rid of Mike McGlinchey. And who is is anyone opposed to getting rid of Josh Jackson as well? Even though I think he's awesome playing the ball in the air, probably the best in this class at doing that. Uh, real quick, did yeah. uh, I mean, I've heard people mention Josh Jackson at safety. Does anyone, yeah. does that change anyone's opinion about him? For me personally, I, I need my safeties to tackle, and Josh Jackson makes too many business decisions for me to put him there. But, you know, we're talking about a, a ball-hawking safety. Uh, he, he could certainly be that with the, when the ball's in the air, the instincts that he has, the ball skills. Uh, it'd be fun to watch. Uh, I, I don't know if that changes anything for me, but maybe it does for you guys. I feel like this, the move to safety is kind of the default. Oh, he ran in, you know, four, five, six, and he's good with with his eyes in the backfield. But he never gave me the impression that he's overly rangy or overly twitchy. You know, I think he has some really good instincts and some really good ball skills. But I don't know if moving him to safety is necessarily a, an ideal fit for his skill set. I know it's easy to say that, and some people are speculating, like, Hey, he's a little bit more upright. He's a little bigger. He didn't run as well. Maybe we'll just, you know, put him as a back end player. But, you know, I think I still want him at cornerback. I agree. But, but not in the yeah. top 10. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You're just crushing my soul here. Uh, by the way, when, when Dane said like business decisions, I could just like see us in a draft room, like with him making his presentation and that whole <laughs> shenanigans happening. Okay. Uh, so we have four, four names left again that belong in the top 10, but we have eight to choose from. They are again, Gosh. Darius Geis, Harold Landry, Josh Rosen, <laughs> Deron Payne, Maurice Hurst, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, and Mika Fitzpatrick. Ted, give me a name. Um, I, I love Denzel Ward. I think he's uh, one of the best players in this class, um, I, I love cornerbacks. I, I love uh, cornerbacks that play predominantly bump and run, and that's what they did at Ohio State, and he excelled in it. You know, like uh, Dane said, he was made everything look extremely effortless. Um, I think he had some problems getting his head around sometimes, but I think that might have been part of uh, what they taught at Ohio State. They wanted to Definitely. play a lot of trail technique. Um, and, you know, some people are concerned about his weight, but I think he's one of the more physical corners in the, uh, in the draft. He didn't, you know, he... He's willing to put his body in there and make tackles. Hmm. He was really physical and press. Um, He's and, also a yeah, ridiculous guy, athlete, like 98th yep. percentile composite score. And he's got long arms for a, mm-hmm. a guy for a that's 5'11", not, 183 guy. Yeah, I mean, 31 and a quarter inch arms, yeah, I'll take that. Maybe the way to do this, and again, it, this hasn't been planned out at all, so we're kind of just flying by the seat of our pants here. Is there anyone out there who wants to eliminate one of these players? Like outright, they don't belong. I'm kind of thinking that with – I really like the upside. I love how he played in the game against Georgia, but oh, I don't go. believe Deron Payne fits in the top ten. 
He's yeah, the one that's you know, sticking I, out to me among these eight right now. And I agree with you. Um, I If you told me that I'm going to get the player that we saw in the playoff against Clemson, against Georgia, I'd feel a little better about it. But I think consistency is an issue. Now, obviously, part of it's what he was asked to do at Alabama. Um, but I don't know. if I, I want a guy that I know is going to give me production if I'm going to take a player that high. And, um, you know, not only in the stat sheet, he had, I think, one, one sack last year, three in his career. Not only just that, but I didn't see enough on tape. And now I love the traits. I think there's, there's, he doesn't, he's not as mean as Indomitian Sue, but you'd see some Indomitian Sue to his game. Um, so I, there's a lot I like about him. But again, I just didn't see the consistency and I didn't see it enough that I, he's not in my top 10. And me either. I mean, heck, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he was went in the 25 to 35 range on draft day, just because of that, that inconsistency. So I, I would not vote for him in the top 10. Frank, didn't he get just like absolutely bullied by Frank Ragnow this year? Uh, yeah, but, but <laughs> not every, not on every, are we going to put Josh. Frank Ragnow in the top 10? <laughs> Listen, he's in the top 12, but I think when, when you look at Dayron Payne, um, number one, and one of the things that, that, I've really kind of opened my eyes to over the last couple of years has been the difference between strength and power in the trenches. And I think Dayron Payne has both, you know, he's got the ability to hold the point and not get moved, but then also to move people on his own. He's got the, the range to be able to play sideline to sideline. I love this kid's motor. He's going hundred miles an hour each and every play. I agree with Dane that there is a chance that he falls to the twenties, but it wouldn't shock me at all either if he was like the Tyson Alualu or the Dante Whitner and he goes like number nine to San Francisco and everybody mm. in draft and draft Twitter is going nuts. Like I, I really think that he's the kind of player Ben said it perfectly earlier that he's like a D line coach's dream. Like I, I really mm. think that uh, his skill set I think caters really well to the NFL. He's exactly the kind of player that people look for. The lack of production does concern me a little bit, but I think when you look at the way that he what he was asked to do in that Alabama front over the course of the last two years as a starter. Uh, I, that kind of eases my pain a little bit, as opposed to like a guy, and I know we're not talking about him, but Taven Bryan and what he was asked to do and the lack of production. That worries me a little bit more than when you look at what Dayron Payne was asked to do for Nick Saban there and Jeremy Pruitt in Alabama. Uh, yep. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Payne, um, hmm. and I understand that I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily on an island because I know Ben really likes him as well. Um, but it, So I would vote for him in the top ten over some of these other guys, but... Uh, I understand how it's gonna, probably going to go here. I don't know if this factors into your decisions at all or how it does, but I, I asked a left guard from Fresno State, I can't pronounce his name, uh, Muti Nitin, who was harder to block, Vita Villa or uh, Duran Payne, and he said Vita Villa. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that one just stands out, again, among the eight. And I should, and I, I feel like I should mention this after every sentence, that like, these 17 players that we started with are all really good football players. Like we're, we're being overly critical because again, we're trying to imitate how a team might set their top 10 vertical board here. You know, I think everybody's looking for that interior disruptor. And if Deron Payne is the best in this class, uh, you know, I don't think people want to pass on that Aaron Donald or that Fletcher Cox style player. Uh, you just don't know. Are you getting more of a line of scrimmage dweller? Are you getting more of that Kenny Clark or a Leonard Williams you know, type of guy, uh, Deron Payne. Obviously, that championship game gave, gave everyone a little bit of a flash of an upfield sense that he'd go get after your quarterback on third down that I think really left a resonating uh, kind of impression on what he can bring for your defensive line. I, I like him a little bit more than others. Uh, I think some have Taven Bryan or Maurice Hurst or a guy that's more of a 
one gap shooter as uh, you know a more productive prospect. But you know, I like him. I, I think Payne's going to go in that kind of eight to twenty range uh, in the draft, and I, I think he's a top ten prospect. Um, okay, we'll leave him on here for now. We still have eight names. <laughs> Well, I mean, could, should, we, should we just dwindle it down to a, a vote uh, for Payne? I mean, if yeah. we have five five people. I'm going to vote no. I'm going to vote no as well. I'm going to vote no. There we go. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, like, again, we have no process here, so I, I'm not sure if we should vote for all eight names. Uh, I, I feel like, again, that discussion should happen more so than a vote. Um, but I totally agree with it with Duran Payne, so it's going to happen. Which, okay, so now we're down to seven. The clear one of these seven remaining that belong in those final four spots is Josh Rosen. Does anybody not have Josh Rosen in, among their top ten prospects? I don't have him in my top ten, but I do have him in my top 20. So I'm, and just the, again, we're talking semantics here. If we're talking about a quarterback and I need a quarterback, he's going to be in my top five, top three prospects. So, um, yeah. Uh, to me, like I- I'm perfectly fine with him going in the top ten. Uh, That's oh, the tough part about doing something like this yes. with oh, quarterbacks, sure. because you know if he's if Josh Rosen's a a B starter in the NFL, well, that's more viable than if Darius Geis is an A minus starter in the NFL. Oh, great. So yep, exactly, it, it clouds the the discussion a little bit uh, with that respect. Okay. Because so in in that regard, uh, we'll name the eleventh yeah. guy as well, Dane. How about that? Like, just in well, case. I'm just, I'm just saying. That's Dayron Payne, uh, Josh. That's Dayron okay, Payne. no, we already deleted him. Um, he's, he's like the 15th. And I, I, I feel like we all have Josh Rosen, maybe you don't, Fran, ahead of Baker Mayfield, right? So if it's between Rosen or Mayfield for this top 10 list, it's Rosen. I do. I, do, I have him ahead of Mayfield. Okay. Yeah. So it's Rosen. Are we cool yep. with that? Okay. All right. Next. Ben, go. Uh, I think you need to put Harold Landry in that top ten. Agreed. You know, if, if, if we saw Vic Beasley go eight and a Leonard Floyd go nine in the draft, and obviously they had some concerns about their frame and how they hold up against the run and early downs, and are they just a, a twitchy edge rusher, you know, in sub packages? I think there's a need for that explosive step off the edge in the NFL, and if he's the best in this draft, you know, I think he uh, warrants that conversation. I have him as a 13th overall prospect, but I think having the top 10 is, is more than warranted. Do we have any disagreements here? Dane? Uh, no, I mean, no, especially from positional value standpoint, quarterbacks number one, pass rushers number two uh, on your roster. So um, I, I am a big Harold Landry fan. Uh, we we kind of touched on before uh, the hiccups versus, uh, versus the run, um, you know, some of the countermeasures, things like that. Uh, the, the, you love the junior year, but the senior year kind of gives you just a little bit of pause. Um, you know, it, even when he was out there, it looked like he was hurt half the time. And so that, that, that does, you know, stick in your mind a little bit, but, uh, he's I think, number 13 for me on my, on, on my overall board. So, I mean, he's right there. I mean, he, yeah. he belongs in this discussion. He's, so he's a fringe guy for me, but, but I would have no problem putting him in the top 10. Ted, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, he's a fringe guy for me, too. I have him right at number 10. Um, I wish there was more, you know, more clips of him using different moves besides that, you know, get off and dip move. But uh, I think against Clemson, which was the game he got hurt in, uh, his final game when he was kind of healthy, he did show that, you know, he has some different moves in his repertoire. But, again, I wish there was uh, 
more clips of him using them. Uh, but that get off and quickness, and obviously the need for a uh, pass rusher in the NFL, I, I think he puts him in the top ten. I mean, you obviously watch a ton of NFL games. Like, will seventy percent of his game be that three step turn the corner with bend? Does he necessarily have to like I, to be a second rusher? Right, he can offer that. But to be a primary rusher, are you saying that he's going to have to have a more complete pass rushing package? Yeah, I think he needs to add some more moves, you know, more consistent moves in his his repertoire to be that primary rusher in the NFL, in my opinion. Okay, so Ben and I firmly believe he belongs. I believe Fran and Dane says he's right in the fringe, and Ted had him at 10. Who, since he's right in the fringe for, for Fran and Dane, who do you guys have in this list that's above him that belongs before him? Minka. Minka. Minka and Denzel Ward. For, for me. Well, let's Both let's TVs. talk about Minka. Where do you have Minka, Josh? I have him outside the top 10. Um, I think Derwin James is the best defensive back, but luckily Derwin James is already in the top 10. To me, Minka is going to be a slot corner. Like, that's where he's going to make his home. And that's not a negative, right? We all know that that it's a common phrase now, that it's a starter on an NFL team. Um but in terms of, and I think he's a very good player in that area, right? He's reliable. He's assertive. He's aggressive. He plays the ball. He's a good tackler. He's all those things. But, and just with tweeting with Ben for multiple months now, like, I feel like I can trust in my own evaluations. If we're talking about building a draft board and drafting for positions that I can find slot corners, which I think there are many of quality in this class. And so I don't need to spend a top 10 pick on Minka Fitzpatrick. Because, I, I, again, that's where I think he will win and succeed the most is in the inside in the slot. Just to play devil's advocate, couldn't you say the same about Darius Geis? Yeah, and that's in why. Terms of, exactly. In terms of finding that type yes. of uh, Yeah, and that's why he's not role. in the top 10 yet. Um, right. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Like, And, again, we're, we're, sli- we're cutting hairs here a little bit. Right. But, right. Um, again, if I'm alone in that Minka love or not – you know, make a conversation that he doesn't belong in here. I, I understand it. But, I mean, do you disagree that he isn't going to just live in the slot? And, like, I guess in the other 40% of the time when it is a quote-unquote base defense that he's going to line up as a safety, I guess? Uh, maybe I'm alone. I, I want to try him outside. I um, do, too. Really? Yeah, yep, I, I don't, do, too. I don't, I don't see why not. I mean, what? Well, he played, like, like 12 I, snaps there last year. Right, but I mean, okay, it's it's. I know it's not as simple as Zach Martin moving from left tackle to left guard. It's not that simple, or Isaiah Wynn. You know, I, I I understand that, but I've seen him move in reverse. I've seen him pedal. I've seen him transition. Um, I've seen him uh, not as much play the ball with his back to the line of scrimmage. I haven't seen that as much, but I think he can do it. I, I think he's a football savant. I think he understands what the offense is trying to do. He's quick to process and he's quick to react. He's he's not a premier athlete. He's not Derwin James in that respect or Denzel Ward. Um, but I think that everything he brings from the neck up, um, I think factoring that in, to me, he is a for sure top 10 player in this class. Ted, do you think he can I, play outside? I'm kind of with you with uh, Fitzpatrick. I have him at number 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that he's not as good in man-to-man coverage as advertised. Uh, he's really good at defending routes like fades and routes that kind of glide like posts um, because he's, you know, he's really fast and smooth. But uh, 
I actually think he struggles when he's facing a really quick twitch receiver that can make hard horizontal cuts. Like if you watch him against uh, Christian Kirk, he struggled a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I have some reservations with him playing outside. Uh, I think you know his weight distribution could be a little better, but I, I think you know his main strength is his uh, his intelligence, his uh, ability to diagnose and play quickly. Um, but like like uh, you guys were talking about, you know, you might be able to find a nickel corner uh, later in a draft. Uh, I, so I have him a little outside of the top 10. Sorry to cut you off there. I was just saying, I think you're right on the money with, I don't think he's as good as a pure cover corner as people uh, are claiming he is or as advertised. I don't think he handles the twitch of some of the slot receivers, like you're saying, Christian Kirk. And then that, those minimal snaps he did play outside, whether it was two years ago, you know, uh, the wheel right kid for Wisconsin beat him on a slant touchdown where he looked a little stiff-hipped. This past year, Auden Tate caught a fade over him where he really didn't get his head around to find the ball. So I really put a lot of value in those reps on the outside where his pedal's a little high or just doesn't seem to have a feel for route timing on the outside. And I don't think he's a true nickel to mirror and match these slot receivers. I don't think he's as rangy or as physical as a Derwin James. I think his best trait is his football IQ, and he's tough and he's athletic. And I think it's just a really interesting case study when you look at all the different positions he's played, all the different positions Derwin has played, who's the better prospect, well, it's who Derwin. would be a better pro, and what can they do better for you? Yeah, Derwin's the better prospect. Like, if we're trying one of these guys at corner, outside corner, I'm going to try Derwin at corner. Hmm, okay. But Derwin's already in there, so it's fine. Okay, if, <laughs> from a team-building perspective, right, from a positional value perspective, let me make a pitch to you guys. Rather than spend this time figuring out Minka Fitzpatrick or Denzel Ward, let's just automatically put Harold Landry and Maurice Hurst in there. Yeah, it works. Yeah? I like that. Yeah? Ted? Yeah, you could sell me there. Oh. Sure. Go for it. Wow. I wasn't expecting that to um, be so easy. Okay. Do we do we not have Denzel Ward in there yet? No, we don't. Not yet. Oh. So... I think Ward should be in the top 10. Yeah. Is there anybody that's against Denzel Ward? I have him right outside, but I, I mean, I, I could absolutely hear him in the top 10. I have him at 12, I think. Yeah, I think I have him okay. at 12 as well. Okay. But I, I mean, worry, his ability to play the football is great. I just think like, and, and this probably isn't fair to him. I think he does maximize the size that he has. Um, yes. But he's just, you know, not your typical, you know, 6'1", 190 plus. 32 plus inch arms, right? Like he's 5'11", 183 with 31 inch arms. But he's a fantastic athlete. And again, he maximizes the size he does have. Yeah. I also think he has uh, some of the cleanest film of any of the prospects on the top 10 too. Okay. Um, I I would put him over Harold Landry or maybe Hurst. Okay. Okay. So so what if it's this now? And Dane, I know he's your number two overall player. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about outside players and again where the money is going it's not necessarily going to the slot it's going to pass rushers both on the outside and the inside and then outside corners then it's Harold Landry Maurice Hurst and Denzel Ward to wrap up this top 10 and 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 not the running back in Darius Geis who we don't know how great he's going to be in the passing game and not Baker Mayfield because we've already asserted that Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen are our top two quarterbacks and not Minka Fitzpatrick, who it seems like, I mean, we, again, we love him. We love all these prospects. But the easiest tra- stream of evaluation is to the slot. I just texted Minka and told him you hate him. 
<laughs> this is Chandler Jones point two point Expect to hear from his agent. So again, no, I, I'm fine with that. I, I, it's I, I get it. I totally understand. You know, I know you guys don't hate him. It's you know we're talking about nitpicking here, and I, I get the concerns. Um, I'm a little, I feel a little bit better. I think Fran does as well. Just a little bit better about him uh, trying him outside, but I totally get the concerns. And you know, for this uh, for this exercise, you know, I'm, I'm definitely okay with the three that you, you said. So okay, we're good again within the final three spots, putting Harold Landry. Denzel Ward and Maurice Hurst in there in our top 10. Yes? Speak now. It's Anyone? an uneasy yes because I have a pit in my stomach not putting Minka in there, but that, that's uh, how I feel. I do I I see the uh, I do see the argument. <laughs> do we want to spend another 15 minutes arguing between Darius Guys and Minka Fitzpatrick for number 11? I've got all night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our top 10 is settled then. Not in order in any order at all. And and before I get to that, I should mention that in our top 17, we didn't have Josh Allen. We didn't have Tremaine Edmonds. We I was surprised have, no one said uh, Vita Vea. Yeah, we didn't have Vita Vea. Not that um, I, I don't. I mean, I agree with not right. putting him in there, but I was surprised. Yeah. Um, so just a few names that are commonly heard out there that didn't appear in ours. Um, okay. So our top 10, not in order. Quentin Nelson, guard from Notre Dame. Saquon Barkley, running back Penn State. Bradley Chubb, edge rusher NC State. Sam Darnold, quarterback USC. Roquan Smith, linebacker, Georgia. Derwin James, safety, Florida State. Josh Rosen, quarterback, UCLA. Harold Landry, Boston College. Edge rusher, Denzel Ward, cornerback, Ohio State. And Maurice Hurst, IDL, Michigan. A few things before we keep going. One, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, subscribe to this very podcast. I would really, really appreciate it. And if you're already subscribed, consider leaving a rating or review. It takes like 10 to 15 seconds really does help us out in terms of finding more listeners, more viewers, all that good stuff. Also, I need to mention Draft.com. Draft.com is fantastic. It's also available in your app store. Evan Silva and I talk about best ball drafts all the time, right? It, it, it's the best part of playing fantasy football. All that you do is draft, and then it picks your optimal lineup. I will get into best ball season after the NFL draft has finished, but guess what? They've already started. So if you have an itch, Go and log on to draft.com or in the app store and use promo code RW. Super important. Promo code RW. It helps you out because you get to play a real money game for free, again, with promo code RW, and it helps us out because they know where you got the promo code from, where you got directed to the site from. And by the way, they have baseball. They have all these other sports, right? Check it out. Draft.com or search your app store for draft. And now back to the show. I think the best way to do this is 10 to 1. Yep. Is Hurst 10? I think the argument for Landry. Yeah, I think it's either Mm. Hurst or Landry at 10, even though I love both. Hurst or Landry, I think, belong at at 10. Which one do we think will consistently generate more disruption or is more valuable to their team? And then that's who goes 10 versus who goes 9. I think Hurst is better. Yeah, I think Hurst will create more disruption and be less of a liability. Okay. As opposed to Landry, there might be a little bit of a learning curve and hand on the run, maybe a little bit of a learning curve and learning some new moves, kind of like a Shane Ray, how he had to kind of finesse his game and find some more pass rush, uh, you know, techniques. I think Hurst is probably the safer prospect. Yeah, I mean, Hurst, right out of the box, you know he's going to win with speed. He's got that quick swim move. He's got a violent hand swipe. He's got that club rip. Like, he's got a spin move that he's still working on as well. Like, he's got 
tools in the toolbox where where we've talked about with some of these other guys that I don't know that the toolbox is is quite as deep there with Harold Landry. Have you ever seen uh, somebody a team use uh, no a D tackle like uh, Michigan used Hurst where they just put him at nose tackle and have him shooting like the B gap or fake going to the B gap <laughs> going to the A gap? I I like personally I've never seen it. I was wondering if you guys have well, seen Well, Ted, that. let me tell you about my JV football team at Charlotte Country Day School. <laughs> uh, we put our running back, who was about 5'6 at the time, and just because he was super quick, they just put him at nose tackle. And so like these offensive linemen who had no idea what they're doing just couldn't block him because it's like he was running through a hole, right? Anyways, maybe yeah, that's yeah, what I, I, I feel like every high school team has an undersized <laughs> right? nose tackle, like a 6'210 pound nose tackle that displays under every offensive lineman. That's like a staple on a high school team. Yeah, very nailed it. It's Nikita Whitlock. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so Landry is 10, and Hurst is 9. That was that was easy. Now it gets difficult. I don't think it's as easy as saying, well, Denzel Ward was one of the final three, so we put him at 8. Um, unless you do, anyone out there. I kind of do. Okay. Uh, I would actually, I'd, I'd actually even make the argument that he would be, uh, that he'd be nine and Hurst would be eight. But I'm good with. Uh, I will listen with, to that. Make that yeah. argument. I my my only concern with Denzel Ward is is that he's a. Uh, we talked about the lack of size. How is he going to look? You know, when he's lined up across Julio Jones and Mike Evans and DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, Hopkins and yeah. AJ Green and Michael yeah. Thomas and Josh Gordon and Demarius Thomas, Thomas and yep. Alshon. Like there are so many of these guys, these big bodied guys that. I'm a little bit concerned about how he's going to hold up there, especially Calvin when Benjamin. ball skills are not a strength of his game. Yeah. So that, that's the, that's you know the one thing I worry about with him in terms of. And again, we're talking about if he's the eighth or ninth best best player in the draft. Dane, you've probably watched all of his games twenty times. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not as him weighing in at five, hitting five eleven, uh, or you know just shy of that, and over thirty one inch arms. I, to me, the size doesn't it doesn't bother me as much because again, I think he his ability to suffocate the ca- catch point makes it you know those throws have to be perfect and we saw it against you know Simi Cobbs in the Indiana game um, you know there were a few times where they were able to get him and then after that he kind of shut it down um, the rest of the season and you know we can uh, debate about the other receivers he faced down the stretch but uh, to me he is I have him above Derwin personally. Hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I'm probably alone there, and that's fine. Um, but I don't have as many worries about Denzel Ward. Uh, the, the ball skills, playing the ball uh, with his back to the line of scrimmage, uh, getting his head turned, locating. I know that was mentioned. Absolutely, I think that is a concern. But like like it was said before, I think it's more of, more about the what he was asked to do, and more of uh, the you know the coverage scheme and um, and all that. So Denzel Ward for me is he's he's number five on my on my board. Um, so I've gotten a little higher than uh, where we're talking right well, now. Well, we also already got rid of your number two overall prospect. So why don't we just keep going? Um, That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ben, do you think Ward is eight or do you think he should be higher or lower than that? No, I think eight is right in that ballpark. Uh, I think he's just a tier off of the quarterbacks on my personal board. Uh, just a tier off of Roquan and Derwin. Uh, I've wrote down with Denzel Ward. I think he has a lot of Darrell Revis qualities in him. Hmm. Uh, from his size, the way he's built with his frame, very compact and a little rocked up in a compact sense. Very, very efficient in uh, advanced footwork that you don't typically see in college. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think Revis was a bit of a freak with his technique and being able to play the ball and find the ball. So there's just a little bit of issues, you know, like we saw earlier in the season, him not getting his head around. But like Dane was saying, for, you know, the rest of the season, the rest of that game, you know, he really shut down uh, one side of the field out there for Ohio State. And, you know, he's still a little inexperienced. He still didn't play a whole lot at Ohio State, really just got on the field in a rotational sense in 2016 and then, you know, took over the reins last year. But if he keeps growing and developing, I could definitely see him being a, uh, you know, a top five cornerback in, in the league. I have him over, um, I have him over James as well. Wow. Um, I, I, I just, I love how competitive he is. Um, and I don't, I don't think he'll back down from any receiver. And again, I just, I just love that he played true a lot, so much true bump and run. Like he wasn't just up there and then bailing back. He was playing, um, he has so many, you know, reps and clips that you could find of him just playing really great bump and run coverage. And that just, uh, is highly valued for me. I'm not sure the best way to approach this. I think Derwin, because how the conversation is going, it kind of seems like seven and eight is some combination of Denzel Ward and Derwin James. Maybe I'm jumping the gun there, but. Well, let me ask you this question. Yeah. We get it. We, we had the discussion on a little bit of a more broad sense, getting these guys into the top 10. But now that we're here in the top eight, how are we treating the quarterbacks in terms of positional value? Because if we feel like a quarterback is good enough to be in the top 10, wouldn't those two guys be the top two? Uh, that's a point I didn't consider. I, I don't think not necessarily because even though I can totally understand what you're saying, again, I also think of ease of evaluation and certainty in the evaluation. And as a group, if we are more certain about other players, despite the positional difference, I think that they still have a chance of passing them in this group. Even though I think Josh Rosen is the number one prospect in this class, based on partly what you said, um, I'm not sure if we can universally say that for everyone, unless someone disagrees. Is that how everybody typically does their grading? Are you grading with a positional weight on it based on positional importance? And Just value? quarterback. Just quarterback for me. Just like, quarterback. Like, okay. like if I think he's a quality starter, then to me that transcends the board, right? right. Like an easy quality starter. And I think Rosen is that. Yeah, and I think that's important just to differentiate for people at home and people yeah. trying to understand the grading system is if we have a early down run-plugging nose tackle and all he does is play first and second down, but he's the best nose tackle we've ever seen, what are you grading him on the nose tackle scale? Is he the best nose tackle? He's like a fifth-round pick. Is he, is he getting it, you know, a 9 out of 10 and making him the best prospect in the class because yeah. he's the best run-stopping nose tackle? Like, what, how do you weigh what people do based on positional weighting and right. what's important to teams? Well, I think, I think we've done a really good job of that so far in terms of putting guys like Hurst and Landry over a Darius Geis, per se. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, I, th I think we're going in the right direction with all this. But, again, coming down to top 10, it, it might change the conversation a little bit. But, again, I'm also one that – if I think they're a quality starter, they're at the top of the board. And if not, they go after, quote-unquote, like the first-round types. And so for me, Josh Rosen's in a, a class of his own in that regard. I really do worry about the durability with, with Josh. I hear you. Um, I, I hear you. It's, and, you know, he's 226 pounds, but it just doesn't – I mean, he, it's almost like a slighter 226 pounds. And um, talking to, you know, just, you know, whispers around the league about – you know, we know sources. about. 
Yeah, yeah. We know about <laughs> the concussions. We know about the the muscle tear in his rotator cuff. But I, you know, there are some teams that brought up the fact that he had to quit tennis because of a, shoulder of a right injury. shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been brought up uh, more than once. So, yep. you know, it's you, no you surgery, do, but like that's why he specialized in right. the sport. Exactly. So it's something that you know, it sticks out to me. Uh, yeah. Just. You know, having uh, a guy that's not the most mobile. Um, yeah, and I agree. He's not a statue. He can move a little bit. But and if, if there's know. like a fatal flaw to his game, it's that, right? Because we right. see like so many young quarterbacks have the athleticism, have the mobility. And I'm not saying, you know, he's Zach Mettenberger in the pocket. But, no. um, you know, with the combination of what he's already dealt with, with the concussions and shoulder, plus it's not like he's going to get more mobile or more athletic ne- necessarily. Like that combination could be his fatal flaw. Even like a Jared Goff, we've seen him move around a little bit. You know, like yeah. I think that's a comparison we see. He, even he can, you know, get outside the pocket and uh, do a little bit, which or I, fall I just back don't see yards, enough. Whichever one he decides to do on each day. Yeah, the cornerback drill is backpedal, whatever it takes. Yep. Um, it, but yeah, the durability sticks out for me. And but it, go, it just comes back to the you know original discussion about putting slotting quarterbacks and the value that they bring it's just it's hard to do because they, they they bring so much value uh to your to your football team i and i don't know if this is fair or even if it's a sound way of looking at it i don't feel like we should just spot them one and two um yeah i wouldn't either but i, I just felt like the question needed to be asked yeah yeah um, it's almost like we need to draft as if we were like the Bengals or or that. the Ravens. Nope. I'm I'm just saying like you know because if quarterbacks are number one need, if we're the Browns, then you know these quarterbacks almost should be one and two because okay. That's, so why not the caveat say this? And again, this isn't necessarily fair, but whichever quarterback we do place one, oh, the top quarterback in this class or the second quarterback in this class. That means if this was a quarterback needy team, then that would be our one-two on the board. Does that make okay. sense? That's fair. Um, yeah. Even though we that won't works. explicitly say that in this top ten ranking, Ted, who do you think among these top prospects belongs next on the list at number eight? I think Roquan Smith. I really? Mean, yeah. Well, you you guys know I'm a little more down on him than yeah. everybody else. But, I mean, also, if we're talking about positional value, linebacker might be the least valuable position in this, uh, in this group. Hmm. Or inside linebacker, at least. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Or hmm. do I, I don't disagree, because unless you're Luke Keekley or, or, you know, a, a guy that really changes the game. And I, I love Roquan. I think he's... Uh, I think he's number six on my overall board, so I think a little bit higher of him. But I don't disagree with that point about linebacker um, and, you know, in respect to other positions like running back and others, being able to find a linebacker elsewhere. But, I mean, Roquan, he's, he's got some special to him, to me. I mean, he's he's a magnet to the ball um, with, with the athleticism, the diagnosed skills, you know, key read flow. It's It's there, and so... I don't know. I would have a tough time putting him at eight. At eight, yeah, I, I would like too. I'm but sliding. I, I have a bit. tough time putting anyone at eight on this list, That's other true. than That's Denzel true. Ward. You know. Um, That's how I feel. Okay. Are we cool with that? I mean this this conversation is only going to get more difficult. Is basically what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. So I yeah, I go feel ahead. like the next two should be Denzel and Josh Rosen, eight and seven. Hmm. I've got Josh Rosen number nine on my board, so I'm I'm okay with that. Um, and I've got Denzel a little higher than you guys, but you know, we got him in the top ten, so I'm okay. Let me ask you this then, Fran. Why, and this is a conversation that's going to happen eventually, why Sam Darnold over Josh Rosen? Well, I feel a little bit better. We talked about the, the questions with Josh Rosen. What, what I do like about Sam Darnold is that uh, you've got a guy who I think has really, really good reaction quickness. He's got to be able to create on his own, which Josh Rosen does not have, and, and make those plays outside of structure. His his game isn't predicated on that like some other guys that we've seen in recent years, but he's got the ability to do that, which is very important in today's game. I think a lot of his issues this past season had to do with uh, really what were sloppy lower body mechanics. Everyone made a big deal about the upper body. To me, the lower body was the big issue, and that's something we've seen for, for guys Darnold, in recent right? years. Yeah, for yeah, Darnold. That, that's who he is, though, in my opinion, right? Like. So, we really haven't seen it unless it's his RPO action, like him work with a solid base, a solid foundation. Instead, you see him like duck footed. You see him like hands on a clock, like pointing all different directions. And that's like really scary to me, really scary. But he has the arm to compensate for it like he did at the college level. And I think, though, that it was worse this year than it was a year ago, because I, I when I watched him as a freshman, I didn't really think like, man, this kid is is a total mess, to, you know, with his feet. Like I did, you know, I watched Week One against Western Michigan, and he was all over the place, and he's overthrowing guys, and he, you could see how erratic he was. Um, and to me, like that, if that can get a little bit cleaned up. That being said, some of the throws he did make when things were were sloppy, I think, were so impressive because you know we know watching the league that it's not always clean. You're you're gonna you're gonna be off platform, and you're gonna have right. to make those kinds of throws. Uh, and I think that he's obviously shown the ability to do that. Um, his pocket movement, I think, is a strength. I, I, to me, I just look at Sam Darnold, and I think that I feel a little bit safer overall uh, with him over Josh Rosen. And this is super simplifying it. But to me, you're kind of siding with erratic more than structure here. Do you, do you think that that's Oof. just part of the NFL game in terms of – because Josh Rosen, like, his strength absolutely is not out of structure, right? Yep. That's just not who he is. Like, he, he can make it happen. He has. But that is a major strength of Sam Darnold. Kind of what you're saying is you think he can be coached up to be more consistent inside of structure while still keeping that out-of-structure mentality he has. To, the, way I, the way I look at it is, is that because I am – like, when you put it that way, like, I, like a chill went down the, my back of my neck because, like, <laughs> that's not the way I think, like, at all about the quarterback position. Um, but I think when, when you look at Darnold – like I said earlier, I don't think his game is predicated on playing outside of structure. He had success outside of structure, yeah. uh, and I think that there were some things that he needs to clean up when he's in structure from his mechanics, but I don't think that he needs to be that. Like like Patrick Mahomes needed to be outside of structure to succeed. To me, last year, when I, when yeah. I watched him at Texas Tech, like so much of his production came from outside of structure. I don't feel the same way about Sam Darnold that I did about Patrick Mahomes. What, what, what about leading like this draft class in turnovers last year? I think the fumbles, that's something he's got to get cleaned up. It's not going to be something, though, that I, that's going to deter me um, from getting away from him. The, the fumbles absolutely need to be cleaned up. The interceptions, I charted them. I've got to look, go and look back exactly what the, the main oh, uh, reasons were for that. But, you know, the, the fumbles, that's something that absolutely 1,000% need to be cleaned up. He's got to take better care of the football in the pocket with both hands on the ball. Yeah. 
So you think he could clean up the inter- the interceptions when he gets to the league? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll look real quick as we're talking. You know, just in terms of, uh, you know, the th- so he threw th- thirteen picks this year. Uh, wide variety of different reasons from what I looked at. You know, there's a jump ball in there. There's one that bounced off a receiver hands. Okay, there, three of them were forced throws. Three of them were what I would call underthrown vertical passes. Like two were because of what I thought were his, you know, sloppy lower body mechanics. Like, you know, but is that some fixable? of those things you take like, those it, it, That's just part of his, like, okay, here's the question I also have with Sam Darnold. Is this going to be a Jameis Winston type situation? And I know that Jameis's final year was quite different than his previous years, right? Kind of how you just discussed with Sam Darnold here. And I'm not saying that Sam Darnold put his team in, a, in the hole like Jameis Winston did his final year, right? To claw him back. But Jameis landed with Dirk Cutter now, who like wants to keep him in this box, you know, like doesn't want him to make these mistakes. And to me, if you have a high variance player like that, who can make the extraordinary happen, you live with those variances, right? Um, is that something that you're willing, it sounds like willing to do with Sam Darnold, obviously. I look at Carson Wentz, his rookie year, uh, especially the second half of the year, the lower body mechanics were a major issue. You know, his worst game of his career was against the Cincinnati Bengals second half of 2016. Uh, and it was a mess. They, he made it a priority going, you know, from yeah. last off season a year ago and, and was completely different from his lower body mechanics. And that showed up with his accuracy this year. I think that that's something that can be worked on more so in the lower body than the upper body. The upper body stuff, I think, is a little it's bit It's just going to stay the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. You're, you're changing how a guy throws. That's that's a Muscle lot memory. different. Yep. I think it's also easier to change the over aggressive player and try to pull the reins back on him as opposed to taking a guy who's a little conservative and trying to get him out of that shell. I think it's much easier to go, hey, you know what? He can make plays out of structure. He can get out of the pocket. He can throw from awkward arm platforms and different uh, throwing bases. But we don't always need that. We want to pull the reins back on that as opposed to a player like, like a Blaine Gabbert who is incredibly athletic, incredibly talented, but was wildly conservative and couldn't give you that extra dimension to, you know, have a second reaction play with his arms or his legs and things like that. I think just taking that out of a player who's over-aggressive is easier to pull him back than the other way around. I won't go to say that Blaine uh, Gabbert's talented, but... Um, Blaine Gabbert will continue I hear what to you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Because he'll, he will knock the pants off of every quarterback workout he attends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah, shorts yeah. and a t-shirt, the guy will throw it all over the yard. Right. He's incredibly athletic. However, when there's bullets flying him in the pocket, he sees he ghosts, up he like moves. a lawn chair, and we've all yep. seen that, and that's just the type of guy he is. But he'll yep. continue to be a backup because he's going to rock these workouts every year. Yep, I hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so does that make Rosen seven? Not that if, I, I wouldn't call Rosen a conservative passer, right? I, I don't think he falls in, in the description you just gave. I, know, I don't think you were talking about him necessarily, but I, I will say that the sense of the room, it seems like Sam Darnold, will be the superior quarterback on this list, even though I prefer Josh Rosen. If we're considering the medical issue, I, I would agree that okay. um, we, I agree we with put that. Sam Darnold on top. All right. So Rosen's here at seven. Mika um, just texted me and said, take that, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down in my notes for Josh Rosen, he has the best good of any quarterback in the class. When he's playing his best, yeah, it's better than everybody else's best. But then it's just working in all the other stuff, the durability concerns. Can he be mobile enough to have some second reaction plays with his arm or his leg? Can he get out of the pocket? 
You know, can he, you know, pull back that over-aggressiveness when he needs to? But when things look good for Rosen, that was the best-looking quarterback play in this class. Easy, and I think mean, that's what everybody gets excited about getting in the NFL. Are we going to get that type of play? It's textbook. It's easy. It's all that good stuff. All right, but he's number seven. So, again, to recap right now, in our top ten as this group, Harold Landry, 10, Maurice Hurst, 9, Denzel Ward, 8, Josh Rosen, 7. We still have six more names, and I think that this is when it gets really, really, really tricky. Well, does 5 and 6, is that Roquan and Derwin in whatever order? Or is there another name to include for this 5-6 conversation? I think well, I guess, I guess Sam Darnold, too. Um, yeah. I guess he's in there, too. And guys, I mean, I kind of think Bradley Chubb's in there, too. I I agree with you. I was just going to say the same thing. Like, I love Bradley Chubb. I think he absolutely understands his identity as a pass rusher, where he can cross the face of an offensive lineman, or he can power you to the backfield, or if it's a heavy-footed offensive lineman who just sucks, like if he's facing you know, the backup that's in there during this week because the starter is injured, then he can run around him. But are we talking Joey Bosa here? No, yeah, we're not. Right. Are we talking yeah. Miles Garrett here? No, we're not. He's not Khalil um, Mack. He's not Clowney. He's not. not Von, he's not Von Miller. Is he Everson Griffin? Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of guys you can throw on that list. I agree I, with you. Now, is he an easy evaluation as a team's secondary rusher? One hundred percent. But could he? Can he take over a game? Can he? Can he consistently beat good offensive tackles? I and mean, he's not going to do it every play, right? But can he make a handful of impact plays each and every game? I think it's questionable based on who he matches up with. Again, I love obviously Bradley Chubb, but if we're looking at recent years with top edge rushers, I, I, to me, he's not Joey Bosa and he's not Miles Garrett and he's not a few of these other names that we've mentioned. I think if we were ranking this top ten in terms of highest floor, I think he'd be a top three player, and I think if we were ranking on based on highest ceiling, he'd be nine or ten. And if we're talking highest ceiling. I think Harold Landry has a higher ceiling than Bradley Chubb. Yes, I agree I with you. I think so, too. Yep. I think we put Chubb at six. Wow. Can All we? right. Um, and again, like we're talking run defense. Like that, that's one of the knocks on Harold Landry just in terms of consistency. Bradley Chubb's great at that, right? Like yep. NC State has four draftable defensive linemen. I'm surprised. I think Contavious Street was probably our 18th player on this list, Fran. Yeah, I think um, so. 17, maybe. <laughs> But, 18 with the knee. Right. But, RIP, I mean, I'm the kiss of death. I really even am. <laughs> uh, but every single play that was made in that defensive line, like Bradley Chubb basically made, like over and over and over again, we're watching that. And that's there's something to be said for that. But I, I kind of want to put him at six here. Ben, are you cool with that? Yeah, I think hey. that's okay. I think right. positional value, when you factor that in, that's, that's, that's what I come back to. If I can have a pass rusher who – he accounted for 60 to- tackles for loss the last three years. Yeah. 60. I mean, th- this is a guy who, you know, he's not – I agree with you, everything you said about not being Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack, and all those players. I agree. But, you know, if he's just a notch below that – And I think he is. It, it, yeah, and I think the impact potential, you know, I, I don't know. I To me, I I would rather have the impact from a pass rusher like that then a Roquan Smith or a Derwin James. Yeah, and as, and I love those guys. I, I think they can be impact players as well. But I I would personally prefer the impact of the pass rusher 
Um, and again, versus the pass and the run. And this is a guy that doesn't come off the field. I think he played as 88% of the snaps, uh, yeah. defensive snaps for NC State last year. I mean, so this guy is, I mean, he, he brings it, uh, snap in, snap out. Um, you know, he's not a guy that uh, you have to really worry about. Uh, and so I, I agree about the floor comments because uh, that's that uh, 100% agree. Um, I, I don't know, but I, I put a lot of value in knowing what I'm getting and plugging him in and just, you know, feeling great about what he's going to bring my team. So how do we I feel mean, about, I, how do we feel about Derwin James's floor? That's I think a it's question. a little bit lower for sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Hmm. Do you know what's kind of had me shook lately is apparently like, the, I know that was very, yeah, it was good. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to I catch up to, to this, like sneak that in there. This, this 18 year old, I, I was shaken, <laughs> shook, you know, is, is like apparently some concerns. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah, Albert Breer, a few others, I think your boy, Brian Broaddus have like discussed how Derwin James might not be as fondly loved throughout the NFL. I know this is our room. This is our board, but how some seem to have questions of Derwin James talked about earlier with you know, a, a guy like in terms of how you view him and how you're going to use him. If there's any question about him being able to play uh, from a mental part of the field, if there are questions there uh, and, and then pair that with the knee as well, that, that could be the answer. Well, it's just, okay, for our football team, what position is he playing? Five spots. Because he, he excels at, like, the, I, I think this thing about versatility kind of gets thrown around a bit too much. Like, if you, get, if you line up at different spots and you lose, like, it's not versatility. But, like, to right. me, Derwin James can line up in a variety of places and win. So that's true versatility. Um, yeah. think, and just with he, like, you know, with a team going out there with 12 personnel or 11 personnel and going turbo, right? And in terms of moving their running back and then going to empty or having two tight ends and then move them out as wide receivers, like he can match up against this mismatch league extremely well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is so difficult to find nowadays, especially with someone of his size, of his length and ridiculous athleticism, plus so much quality tape out there with it. Yeah, I think James is at least going to be a really good, strong safety. Like you said, he's going to be able to match up with tight ends and those you know, pass-catching running backs. And he, he does a few things really well, like play man-to-man coverage extremely well. He blitzes. He's probably the best blitzing defensive back I think I've seen in a long time. Like He, he doesn't just get, get by on good disguises or a well-timed blitz. He could actually use pass rushing moves to get by guys too. Uh, so I, I like James a lot. If, if we're talking about positional versatility or excuse me, if we're talking positional value, why haven't we mentioned Saquon Barkley's name yet? It's fair. It's true. Like I understand that he's an awesome prospect. We all agree, right? Especially with how receptions are going away from wide receivers. Receptions are going away from tight ends and they're going to running backs. He's David Johnson, right? in terms of how easy his transition is into the passing game. Mm-hmm. But second contract running backs don't exist. Yeah. I think it's just hard seeing him fail. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Like, I mean, he's not a perfect prospect at all, but um, I mean, he's not flawless either. Right. Like I turn on that game against Ohio state when they're first and mm-hmm. goal from the nine. And instead of putting his head down, 
and picking up one or two yards when it's completely trashed up the middle. He does the hokey pokey in the backfield and loses two or three yards and it becomes second and 12 from the 12. Well, he got shook. He <laughs> but again, if I'm going to side with a running back that is one of the best athletes we've ever seen in the position and also 233 pounds, I would assume that if he's going to learn something, it would be to pick up the difficult yards as well. He's 233 pounds, but he's closer to Christian McCaffrey than he is Leonard Fournette. Oh, yep. yeah. 100%. His style totally agree. is look for, look for daylight, look for green grass rather than put your nose down and move right. the pile type of guy. Totally agree. Right. Like, what's weird is is that he's got natural power. and I mean, he's 233 pounds, and he verted 41. Like, you, <laughs> you don't do that if you're not powerful, but he does not run powerful at all. I and think that Ohio, you know, that Ohio State game, it's evident with those nine tackles for loss on his runs and that his just unwillingness to stick his nose in and get the get the tough yards. Yeah, and it, it's the hidden yards, right? And I understand Penn State's offensive line really sucked at times. Like, they were <laughs> horrific. But, mm-hmm. like, there were times, again, when he lost one or two yards by, like, looking left, looking back, looking right, and then falling to the ground. And, again, that's a loss versus at least getting back to the line of scrimmage or getting one or two yards. I don't want that to cloud his entire evaluation, but it absolutely stands out if we're talking about a player that, one, you don't give second contracts to running backs, and two, once we're getting closer and closer to the top of this list, where exactly does he fit? I think it's valid. Uh, One thing that scares me with running backs is uh, running backs that have the tendency to stop their feet in the backfield, and that's that's something that Saquon will – often do uh you know searching for the home run instead of taking the single or the double and it's it's something that um you know sticks in the back of my mind and you know why i'm not uh, you know like you said he's not a flawless prospect but it's one of those things where you know like i talk to browns fans all the time who who don't there's a lot of them that don't want to see saquon at four uh they see the shouldn't. browns draft him at four and you know i i can't envision a scenario where i would be upset with Saquon drafting Saquon Barkley like right. I, I I would just I would be happy because he's such a good player he's going to improve my offense in a big way but at the same time I'm I would rather have Bradley Chubb at four I would rather have several other players at four just you know for several reasons that we've been talking about so yeah I mean I, I'm glad you brought him up here as we try to uh, map out these final six it's tough would it be easier if now that we're at this point if we filled out our number one or I mean work our way up um, well, I mean, to ruin to the end of this conversation, uh, <laughs> and our number um, six prospect is, 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 is there, is there a clear top two? Like, uh, well, that's what I was kind of getting at. If that would help us figure out, you know, six, five, four, if we had, if we had a better idea of like, okay, is there a way we can split these into a top three and a bottom three among the six and then go from there? Yeah, I think Quentin, Nels- Quentin like Nelson's that. in the top three. Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. Ben, do you agree? Yeah, 100%. Okay, so Quentin Nelson's going to be in the top three. <laughs> and then after that, good luck. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so the other five, with the other five spots, Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, Sam Darnold, Roquan Smith, Derwin James. If after that Josh Rosen conversation, I feel like so many of you all are sold on Sam Darnold. Uh, I'm I, I'm just I'm sold on him being the, the best quarterback, quarterback from this group, okay. and I, I think something I think it's uh, 
when you look at his background, I mean, the fact that he's only played quarterback at a high level, basically three years. Uh, he didn't play. He was a linebacker and a wide receiver sophomore year. His junior year, he missed the in entire year with an injury. Right. And yeah, in high school, and then so he played a senior year, and then the last two years at USC. And I, I think that when you look at that USC offense, that uh, that smash and gun, you know, the footwork. It really wasn't coach. I mean, they were okay with what he was doing with his footwork. You know, with uh, yeah, he wasn't going to get better rate. there. Yeah, and, and so they didn't waste time even working on it. Or at least it didn't seem like that from the outside looking in. Um, and so I do think that he will get better in a lot of the areas that we are we talked about that that need to get better. Um, it is erratic a lot a lot of times, but I think it's almost like it's a controlled. Uh, craziness that you know i i I always feel like he's under control even even some of the turnovers um i don't know i'm 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 a big fan of the the smash up uh comparisons just because apple to apple comparisons are so tough i you take the Jameis winston you take the tony romo you combine them and i think the result is something like sam darnold and i'll take that as my quarterback i think it's the last quarterback on this list i think he kind of has to be a top three right I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I mean, to me, if if you guys think our coaching staff <laughs> uh, can can you know have his feet point to the target and not just be like this chicken with his head cut off in the backfield, then yeah, I mean, everything else is there, right? Like just some wow throws, some big play throws, and he does that consistently, like. Some of the placement and arc and everything that he puts on the football is ridiculous. But again, I, I mean, I, I also see an avenue to a fatal flaw, but we're kind of past that point right now in this conversation. Yeah, I, I, th- I think he's in the top three of this group. Gets my vote. I'm in. All right. So there's one more, and, and this is the trio, or I guess the, the four, that separating these four, Saquon Barkley, Bradley Chubb, Roquan Smith, and Derwin James. Why don't we go around the room? Why don't we do this? Because we've talked about all four of these at length and give votes to which one we think belongs in the top three. Is that fine with everyone? Yeah. Okay, Fran, you start. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I know I argued a little bit against him earlier, but I'm going to go with Bradley Chubb as being in the top three. Uh, Mm. I think when you factor in the positional value, I think when you factor in as safe, quote-unquote, of a bet as he is, um, it, it, this kid, I, to me, he uses his hands extremely well. He's got a great plan of attack. He, he's got that really deep toolbox uh, in terms of being able to def- uh, attack offensive linemen as a pass rusher. Great run defender. He's got the size. He's got the motor. Uh, I, to me, if I'm looking at everybody else and you factor in positional value, I think you got to go Bradley Chubb. Ted, what do you think? Yeah, after talking about positional value, uh, I agree. I think Chubb should be in the top top three. Ben, yeah, I would have to agree. Yes, well, then that's it. <laughs> Love it. Bradley Chubb number three on my board. So interesting. That's, uh, okay, that's where I'm going. I ten minutes ago would not have expected that to happen. Uh, I, I feel like he was 20 seconds from being number six in this list, but, <laughs> but, that, but, but that's the point of doing this, right. Is, is talking through and, 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 you know, the positional value certainly sticks up with Saquon and Roquan Smith and Derwin James. Okay. So those three names I just mentioned, 
they will be slotted somewhere at six five four. I say, after you know, after talking about all this stuff, I think with positional value and the the fact that he's not a perfect prospect, I think maybe Barkley would be a good candidate for number six. I, I mean, he's higher even on my list, despite what I just said. But mm-hmm. if again, if we are looking at this group, how this conversation has been flowing, maybe tomorrow we wake up and think what were what were we saying? But I, I, I kind of agree as well. If we're looking at the long-term future of this, and he can absolutely be a top five running back in the league, right? But from, from the positional value, from second contract running backs to also focusing on how good, Ro- and these are all great prospects, how good Roquan Smith and Derwin James are that are building block pieces. It's not like Saquon isn't, but um, I, I, I agree that he's at six. Count me in, Dane. You do not feel happy about this. No, no. I'm just. I'm. De- it's a. It's tough. Uh, it's because I mean, all three of these guys are awesome, and it's just. It's hard to because I, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. Um, but at the same time, I now that we actually have to you know do it and make the move, it just I don't know. It feels weird putting Saquon there at six behind. Roquan and Derwin, which uh, that's tough. Outside uh, of but, the positional value, who's got the biggest fatal flaw of these three guys at their respective positions? See, and I oh. almost think I think of it the other way, where who's going to make the biggest impact? Um, mm. That that's kind of how I'm looking at this. Like, okay, yeah. if, if I'm starting, you know, let's just say you know we don't have a team with any set starters, and I'm adding one of these guys, one of these three, Saquon, Roquan or Derwin, um, which one's going to make the biggest impact Who's, who's going to help you win immediately? It's probably Saquon. Yeah, that, that's what I keep coming back to. He's, I, I, to me, out of these three, I think he, Saquon's going to make the biggest impact of the three um, over the life of his rookie contract. And as a general manager, honestly, that's all I'm worried about is his rookie contract. Yeah, because you want to get the job, Dane. Yeah, if I'm a GM for longer than four <laughs> years, that's a win. Uh, so that's tough because uh, I, 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 I think I would kind of lean towards uh, Derwin. Tough, kind of. Yeah, that's where I was going. But if we're talking like an initial impact, I mean, do we? I know the positional value, but do we think Bradley Chubb is going to terrorize backfields like Clowney or Miles Garrett no. or Joey Bosa? No. I, I just have a this Everson Griffin, Shaq Lawson type of feel with him that, like, I don't know. I just don't see him being this overly twitchy, giving tackles all sorts of problems. I think he's going to be a really nice pro. I think he's going to be able to handle his own right off the bat. He can be able to set edges, and, you know, he has a nice repertoire of pass rush moves. But I don't see him being this over-the-top elite prospect that is going to immediately terrorize, you know, quarterbacks. Yeah, not to, not, to, not to retract. No, no, no. It's good. This that's that's absolutely allowed. I agree, uh, but I, I I also think you know a B plus level pass rusher, you know the value of that, the impact potential of that is still you know up there. Um, but in regards to these other defensive studs with Smith and James, uh, you know, like what's more important, uh, Bradley Chubb who. Okay, say he's a, a B plus NFL pass rusher, or say Roquan Smith's an A minus uh, weak side linebacker. You know what is the bigger impact on on the game? To me, it's Bradley Chubb. 
uh, the B plus pass rusher. Uh, you, and you guys might disagree with that. I wish some of these players were a little bit better or a little bit worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think the solution is to put Daron Payne here at the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Deidre Sanat. If the conversation between Chubb and Saquon is so close, does that mean six and five is between Derwin and Roquan? Yeah, probably. And to me, that would, if we're going by safe, which is a tough term, but if we're going by safe, then I guess it would be James at six, then Roquan at five. I know that Ted is just shaking over there because of that, but. Um, everybody's individual boards do they does anybody have roquan or derwin in their top five yeah i do i have both, both? in my top five yeah roquan's four and derwin is five i have i have derwin okay. four and roquan five i have derwin four and roquan six okay uh Ro- roquan's not in my top 10 okay so i mean so they, from how this is going roquan, and it's roquan six. six derwin five yeah i think so Okay. Let's just make a decision. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. We're splitting hairs. Okay. So and now we're Saquon's back to the four. Saquon versus Chubb conversation. I, I I think it's I think it's Saquon at four, Bradley Chubb at three. Yep. I agree. Yep. Okay. I think you can find a, you know, an eighty percent Saquon Barkley in a second round. I don't think you can find an eighty percent Bradley Chubb in a second round. Definitely not in this class. Bef- oh, right. Definitely. Before we go Chubb at three, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not yeah. forcing anyone at number one here, but is an edge pass rusher more significant than an offensive guard? Uh, Quentin Nelson's my top player, and so I've, I've had to defend this a lot. Um, and he's, he's a better guard than anybody else is at their position in this draft, in my opinion. Yeah. So for me, he's the best football player, and so he belongs number one now. If we're drafting tomorrow and we have the number one overall pick, I don't, you know, are we allowed to deviate? For, and, you know, does that mean we have to say Quentin Nelson number one? Uh, you know, it's, I think he's the best football player in this draft. I don't know if I would draft him, you know, that high. It's positional value factored in and all that and, you know, certain needs. But he, to me, Quentin Nelson is the best football player in this draft. You know, the typical argument you have to make is Quentin Nelson or Saquon Barkley, right? And I, I really like that we've already put Quentin Nelson ahead of Saquon Barkley because I think that's correct. Where the conversation is now, I don't think Quentin Nelson ends up as the number one player in this list. I think when you take in the positional value, which we've done to this point, I don't see how you can. Correct. Mm-hmm. So to me, and I'm, I'm not trying to force this on anyone, how this list ends up is Bradley Chubb three, Quentin Nelson two, and Sam Darnold one. Yep. I agree with that. I agree. Yeah, for including positional value, then I mean, there's really no way around it. Ben, you know, it's just tough to to weigh the positional value from certain positions that there's no quantifiable way to come up with their value. You know, how do you quantify the impact of Kevin Zeitler in Cleveland or you know a Zach Martin in Dallas? Like, I just feel like the guys that aren't as easy to quantify, I don't immediately want to say their their positional value isn't as important. Um, obviously, I mean, it's going to be tough to dispute the quarterback being more important than anybody. Uh, but in positions like guard, when we, uh, you know, potentially 
Quentin Nelson is the best at what he does yeah. and is the highest rated based on what he does, but he's not going to go number one or two or, uh, you know, go, you know, that slot in the draft to reflect that. Um, I think you just made an awesome point, And it made me think of this. I know that at his position, Quentin Nelson is a better prospect than Bradley Chubb. But again, for a 60 play game on offense or defense, whatever it is, Quentin Nelson is one piece of five offensive linemen, right? Bradley yeah. Chubb has a chance to, I mean, unless, you know, certain play calls, Bradley Chubb has a chance to destroy the offense's ability to gain yards on a play, right? I don't think Quentin Nelson can have that individual impact on a single play that Bradley Chubb possibly can. But again, I'm not sure if Bradley Chubb is that level of talent where he can either. And I feel like in that sense, and just being a devil's advocate about the grading process and the scouting community in general, why don't we consider Quentin Nelson's grade as being part of the collective whole? So is his grade pretty much just a reflection on Notre Dame's offensive line? Like we put we put him in a vacuum, evaluate him individually, and then say, oh, but he's going to be part of a collection right. in the NFL. So actually everything he did as an individual isn't as important. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, we're plugging him in the, line, the, the, the Cowboys offensive line here, right? Right. And this is just a philosophical discussion about player grades versus draft order and Correct. where players actually get drafted. And, yeah, Josh Allen may be 30, but he's going to go fourth or fifth in the draft. How do you equate that and explain that by saying, yeah, he was our 30th best player, but, yeah, he's going to go fifth in the draft. Yeah, and unfortunately, I, I, I think that this conversation that we're having is just strictly based on talent and with you know other factors factored in. I think you convinced me that uh, Nelson should be two. Yeah, it's a fair point about what you're saying, how for most situations, an offensive line is only as effective as their weakest link, you know, like that kind of thinking. And, that, yeah, that factors in. Um and, and reflecting in back to other drafts, I mean, Brandon Scherf going five, you know, uh, the Cooper, Jolly Cooper going seven or Chance Warmack going 10 and then reflecting off of their impacts on their particular teams. Yeah. I even is, think, I even think the position has been valued a lot more since then, since the Jonathan Cooper, Chance Warmack year. Right. Um, and the contracts show Yeah. That. Just, just in terms of where the NFL is honest and they're just honest through their wallets. And and it's you know with the money that's being handed those to second these guys. and third contracts for these guards are just getting wild nowadays. Getting wild. With Kevin Zeitler and T.J. Lang. And yeah, the I mean they're making as much as edge rushers, like, right? Um, yeah, and and B plus level edge rushers, right? Okay, so if again if I'm reading the room correctly, it's Chubb three, Nelson two, and then twenty something year old Sam Darnold at number <laughs> one. It's the way it's looking here. Mm-hmm. How do we feel, Fran? Feel pretty good. I feel I still have that pit in the bottom of my stomach from leaving Minka out. Um, but well, he's at number like eleven, I, clearly. You, uh, yeah, he's at eleven, and and Dayron Payne's at eleven B. I think when you when you look at the process, though, overall, I think we stayed pretty consistent in terms of taking positional value into account. You know, leaving Darius Geis out of the top ten was the correct move uh, from that respect. Yep. Uh, you know, looking at, at everything else that we did, I, th- I think it all makes sense. Uh, to wrap up that top 10 list, it's Harold Landry at 10, edge rusher from Boston College. Maurice Hurst, number nine, the interior defensive lineman. Denzel Ward, cornerback, Ohio State at eight. 
Seven, Josh Rosen, quarterback UCLA. Six, Roquan Smith, linebacker Georgia. Five, Derwin James, every defensive spot, FSU. Four, Saquon Barkley, running back Penn State. Three, Bradley Chubb, edge rusher NC State. Two, Quentin Nelson, guard Notre Dame. And number one, Sam Darnold, quarterback USC. Hmm. Ted, how your you thoughts? How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, I think you know it's really difficult when you don't have a set team with you know set team needs and um, a scheme you can kind of look at these players th- with. Uh, but I think you know as far as balancing out uh, positional value and uh, the skill of the player itself, I think we did a pretty good job. Dane, this is a perfect process. I don't want anything else said about it. <laughs> no, I, absolutely. I, really, just copy and paste Fran's comment for me. I Got it. feel a little off without Minka in there, but I mean, overall, these are ten outstanding players. I think uh, I, I'm not as high on Hurst, but the other nine I have in my top what twelve players, I think, on my board. So I'm yeah. I'm not too far off. Well, Josh, where does where's Sam Darnold for you on your board? Twenty one. So how do you feel about your twenty first? Uh, I mean, I'm just I'm just ridiculous with how I rank quarterbacks. Like it's not really necessarily a ranking. Like if I could do them, it would be on a on a different board entirely. Right. But you know that doesn't get clicks. So <laughs> uh, I, I I need to put him with the other positions, right? Like how often do I want to say, well, where are the quarterbacks? Where are the quarterbacks? So right. I mean, I I think Josh Rosen is a better quarterback. Um, but I also don't factor in medicals in my evaluations and my rankings. So right. with, with that, so much of the talking point here, I absolutely understand why Sam Donald is the, is the quarterback one and why he's number one in this list. Ben, does anything stand out? Uh, just pretty much Donald being one is kind of a, I wasn't expecting moment. it really. Yeah. And just, you know, it obviously gives you that Jameis Winston feel in that, you know, how could such a turnover plagued, unpolished prospect be the number one overall player on our board and you know i just want to say you know he has the talent and the skill set and that's what you're drafting at number one that's what you're being most excited about but there's also other players you could say player x has an extreme amount of talent and he's got a skill set what can you do with that at the next level and you know the way that 2017 played out and you saw what Nathaniel Hackett did with Bortles and Pat Shermer did with Keenum and Peterson did with Foles and McFay did with Goff. You really have to strip down these quarterbacks and say, what are you giving an NFL offense and an uh, NFL quarterback coach to work with? And you're really looking at their raw tools and their skill set. And I think Darnold has an intriguing skill set, you know, to be coached up and successful in the NFL. Uh, you know, it's it's just uh, it's interesting to look at. I think that's perfectly said. And I also think it's worth noting that as Sam Darnold starts week one, and if he goes to the Browns, he's not going to, then he'll be the youngest quarterback to ever do so. Um, and so, you know, we hear it every single year that these quarterbacks are going to sit and wait. They're going to learn. It rarely happens unless you're playing behind a Hall of Famer or, I guess, Alex Smith last year. But if that's the case, there are areas for Sam Darnold to work on. And combined with his youth, um, maybe he can work on – you know, turning those fatal flaws potential into just flaws or things that like Ben just mentioned, a coach can work with and work around as well. Guys, this was awesome. This was over two hours. You are incredible. You did this out of your own time. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. I'll run through the names again. It's Dane Brugler, uh, DP Brugler, I should say. Uh, And you can check out his draft guide. There's a week left. 
go buy it. It's fantastic. Fran Duffy at F Duffy three on Twitter. Right. All the videos and prospect breakdowns he does for the Eagles are fantastic. Um, at Ben Fennel, like the vegetable, I guess it's a vegetable at Ben Fennel underscore NFL, NFL network, Eagle stuff, ESPN college football, and Ted Nguyen at FB underscore film analysis, staff writer for the athletic. You are all tremendous. Thank you so much. I really have always wanted to imitate a draft room. We did it. This was great. Um, and to all of you out there, I appreciate you for tuning in. We'll talk to you all soon. See ya. Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.